Keza. Pumpkin. Keza. Come on, give me a hello. Hello. <laughs> there you go. Turn around. Keza and I are actually married this week. I don't know if you all know this, but Keza and I are having an illicit <laughs> affair this week. Because I was talking to Keza earlier this week, and she went to make the comment, Well, it's your wedding, Ryan, because I'm getting married in six weeks, even though... <laughs> to someone else. <laughs> someone else, even though I'll have four children by the time you hear this, I'm getting married in you know, six weeks. <laughs> but instead of saying, it's your wedding, Keza says, Well, it's our wedding. Your, your, <laughs> your, your wedding. As her <laughs> Skype message reads, Sorry. I am single this week. So Keza totally <laughs> tried to pick me up. <laughs> I, I like your Skype message more. A little concerned that Kez is shipping Ryan Keza. That's uh, like... <laughs> I'm like... Help. I need somebody. What's going on? I don't know. Kez is trying to pick me up all of a sudden. Every six weeks, Ryan thinks I'm hitting on him. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and now... By the way, happy Halloween, everybody, because I'm sure this episode is coming out in late autumn. Yeah, and welcome to December. Missed it by that much. We're recording it on a scorching August day because we are really good at recording. We're not so good on releasing. Oh, hello, speak for yourself. I am not scorching. Thank you very much. <laughs> are you wearing a snowsuit right now, Keza, by any chance? Pretty much. <laughs> I am so freaking hot this week that I am literally becoming like old. Old man obsessed about how freaking you know how people are like it's hot <laughs> and they annoy like I'm becoming that guy. It's sad. Can't you just see like the little Will Flitwick like walking out with the Jamaican girl and Dumbledore just walks out well, she's and not a Jamaican girl. Jamaican. Isn't her name actually Jamaica? Jamaica. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, her name is Jamaica. Can't you just see him like walking out and Dumbledore like appearing out of nowhere with a shotgun like go inside? We all try and pick an order to go in, and we all talk over each other, and it's just, there is absolutely no way to fix that whatsoever. For Sunday, December 13th, 2009, this is episode 95 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, P.S., it's Scarlet from the forum. That was really good, but can you do me an enormous favor and try smearing some orange gel on your lips first? Okay, thanks, bye. For Sunday, December 13th, this is episode 95 of Potter Quickly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Oh, will there ever be again a podcast quite like this? One that brought us together and started its own forum list Where the hosts are all our friends All the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly where the story never ends mm-hmm. And welcome back to Powerfic Weekly, this is Ryan I'm Keza I'm waiting for Death Roll <laughs> oh, you decided to wait for me. Okay, this is yeah. This is Matt. This is what always happens. I always sit everybody down and I say we're going to have a talk about the intro. 
It's difficult. <laughs> it's harder than it sounds. Does anyone have questions? Everyone just stares at me and blinks. I was getting a drink when you did that, apparently. Okay. This is Matt's first podcast with us. Matt is MD on the Puffle Forums. Who here has seen Galaxy Quest? I Get recognize this. it. I don't think I have. Yes. All right. Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, they're the Star Trek actors. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. And then it Alan turns Rickman. out to be real. So all these actors get plonked on the spaceship and they have to do the actual mission. They land on this planet because they need to get a rock. Because they they need a rock to fix the thing to get them. Please, right? It's a sphere. It's a... What kind of sphere? Beryllium. Beryllium spear. They need the beryllium spear. So the pilot guy who's the affirmative action case and Zagorny Weaver and Tim Allen and Monk and the extra go down to the planet with Alan Rickman and they're walking around and they find the sphere. But there's these little alien children surrounding it and they're cute and they're cuddly they all look like curious george and they want to go over and hug them and then they realize when one of them is sick these cute little wonderfully you know you just want to take them home they're like little kittens aliens oh yeah the razor claws come out and they hack up the injured one and eat him here's the deal Sue is cute and cuddly, and you want to take her home and feed her, but the thing is, when you mess with Sue, she will chop your head off and stick it on a scarecrow in her field. This evening, Sue was due to be with us, and her brother needed to ride to the airport, so she said, all right, I need to be back in 90 minutes, and her brother said, no problem. That was six hours ago. Sue's not home yet. Sue has said words I've never heard come out of Sue's mouth before. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Sue is not a happy camper, so we hope to have uh, Sue back shortly. And I just have a message from Gen 1. Now, at the time you're hearing this, Gen 1 will be, you know, way past where she is now. But Gen 1 is having a very difficult month. She's had a number of health issues the last month. It's not as bad as Dark Thursday, but it was like a dreary Tuesday. It was not a good day. So Gen 1 needed to have an MRI. So she went to the hospital today to get her MRI, and they told her, walk through that door, man. So she walked through that door, and she thought something was odd. She was standing in the parking lot. Then she looked (laughs) next to her and saw an 18-wheeler, or as Jem calls it, a semi. So she walks over to the semi. Now picture Jen in her little Jen outfit, wandering over to the little 18-wheeler, you know, or semi. And they're like, man. We call it a semi, too. We call it, I call it an 18-wheeler. So the, so the, the guy at the semi says, ma'am, oh, you need to come on board. Now at this point, Jen thinks what I'm sure everyone would think. I'm being kidnapped for ransom money. So they make Jen get on the little elevator <laughs> lift. And she's being lifted up onto the 18-wheeler with the following noise. Meep. Meep, 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 meep. So Jen is slow. It's like the scene from the alien movies in the fifties where you're being, where like ET is being lifted up to the mothership. So she's being lifted up to the eighteen wheeler, and now she's on board. So now these drug cartels can do whatever they want with her because she can't get up. So she gets on the eighteen wheeler, and they and they stick her in the MRI. Now she's in there, and she said it was like crushing her boobs, and there was no room to move. And I told her I'd send her in with the best of Pofua, but she didn't give me advance notice. So Jen is shoved into this little MRI, and she's like talking like this because she can barely breathe because she's shoved in the MRI, and she's talking to the guy, and she's like, "I barely fit in here. Like, what do you do if you have people larger than me?" And they're like, "Oh, well." We have to take extraordinary means. She's like, like, my husband, James, he would never fit in this thing. What do you do with all the fat people? And the man looked right at her. <laughs> He's like, 
I don't want to tell you. She's like, I'm, you're, you're, you're kidnapping me, ma'am. I've told you before, we're not kidnapping you. We're doing an MRI. Just tell me, what do you do with the fat people? And the guy looked at the ground and then looked up at Jen. We have to take them to the zoo. They take them to the zoo and they use the equipment at the zoo. <laughs> it's the same equipment. <gasps> Think about that for a minute. It's Not the same equipment. Say you're a little pudgy. Okay? It's one thing to sit down in a fancy restaurant and have your chair legs snap from under you and it's embarrassing. You're like Mike Huckabee, you know what I mean? It's That's one thing. It's another thing to have to go to the zoo and use the elephant equipment. Why is the MRI machine on a semi? <laughs> because it's portable, so they have to move it around. Wherever. Because it doesn't actually belong to the hospital. They in the hospital? No, Keza, it doesn't belong to the hospital. It belongs to a company that contracts with the hospital. So they stick it on the truck and they drive around to wherever you need them. Exactly. Jen is not the guy from Springer who they have to, like, remove the wall of his house to get him out. Like, Jen is a very healthy, you know, normal-sized human being. Like, but she's like, they almost had to take me to the zoo. How embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> That was just the Jen story of the week, and Jen was dozing off and really didn't want to say the phrase squished boobs, so I told her I would cover for her this evening. So. <laughs> yeah, I feel great that I've experienced my first run monologue. Yeah, I know. I've been going for like half an hour. This is great. Here's my week. Here's what happened. Apart from getting married to Ryan, we put Mr. Kezzer on the plane on Sunday. There's nothing I wouldn't do to have this woman all to myself. Turn around. <laughs> He has to go to Sydney and he do his work and he has to be alone and he has to, he's got all this time and he, all he'll be able to do in the evening is study because, you know, there won't be any distractions and I'm like, oh, I feel for you. I feel for you so bad. Are you because- sure he's not having an affair with Jen too? <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> it seems very convenient. I need to go away on business. <laughs> Where is Jen to anyway? I don't know. She's never here anymore. So he's whinging, and I'm sitting there going, You are going to be away by yourself with time to study. What is the problem? I would give my right arm to be in a hotel room by myself for the week with time to study. This would be my dream come true. But no. I am back here. The first morning goes okay. Everybody gets up, has breakfast, gets dressed, brush their teeth, brush their hair. We go to school. We get there on time. The kids are getting out their car and say, this is a really good morning. I think it's because Daddy's not here. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, he'll be really pleased to hear that his absence makes things go smoother. So I'm thinking on Monday, this is going well. Maybe he is the problem. (laughs) If he would go away, we wouldn't have a problem. And then Tuesday happened. There is a possum bordello in my roof. It is apparently mating season. There's a bordello? There's a possum. Or some such crap. I have transcripts I'm pulling up as Keza speaks here. A bordello? A house of ill repute? Exactly. There are possums in my roof making very strange noises. This makes me unable to sleep. I'm here by myself. I'm like, I don't even have backup. If they fall through the roof, I'm chasing the possum through the house myself. So I hit the roof with my broom to make them shut the hell up because they are getting more action in one night than I've had in a year. Right? So I am really, really pinky. 
Noise, they are more sexually active than I am. I'm sorry, can we just do this podcast in chronological order? So Keza <laughs> is feeling that she's having a bit of a dry spell. Mr. Keza goes away for a week. All of a sudden, she's hitting on me, and she's looking for action, like the boss. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. That sounds so bad. <laughs> Put it that. <laughs> so anyway, I put a hole in the roof with my broom, heck, banging on it to get rid of the, you know, sexy possums, right? So then I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I can't fix this by myself. I've got bits of the ceiling coming down. So I had to call my dad. And we're doing this presentation at uni. We made a PowerPoint and we checked the YouTube clips on Monday and they were great. And someone checked them on Tuesday and they were gone. Two hours before the presentation, I'm looking for YouTube clips and Dad's fixing the ceiling, and I haven't had lunch, and the school calls. Your kid has hit her head. <laughs> I'm like, can you keep her there? Does she really need to come home? Because <laughs> I'm really busy right ever, now. Have we ever figured out what she hit her head on? Do we ever know? She hit her head on the playground equipment. She seemed to think she hit it twice, and I'm like, dude, that's the same bump. <laughs> it's like joined up, you know, it's just one big bump. And she's like, and I can't remember. And I've sat in a lecture the day before talking about how the highest incidence of first epileptic seizures are with the primary school years. So my daughter's age, you can have absence seizures where the kids don't know what's happened. And school rings up the next day saying, your child has hit her head and she doesn't remember when. I'm like, crap, just have been absent. <laughs> my dad finishes fixing the roof someone's going to bring a dvd for the presentation i drop in at school and i'm like are you good i'm like i can take you to nana's and she's like oh no i don't want to go to nana so she stays at school you're, you're, hold on your on mother the is the bad cook right yeah she's the bad okay, cook. Right. <laughs> she would rather stay at school with a head injury than go to my mother's house <laughs> I get there and I'm like, I haven't eaten and I'm, I need to keep my phone on because my kid is at school and they're all like, it's okay. And, and then we find that there is someone in our room. So we can't set up. I get to the end of the presentation. I have no idea what I said. I'm like up there going. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, she's probably up there explaining Mike's theory on abstinence or whatever. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading my conversations with Keza for the week. Oh my god, the <laughs> possums are back. They're going to come through the ceiling. I'm here all alone. So Keza in the dry spell wants me to fly across the world. Hmm. <laughs> that is not what I meant. <laughs> What if the ceiling That's is raw and their thumping from their animal sex makes it collapse? <laughs> Dude, how big are these possums? They don't have to be big. So she comes back, she's like, there's a hole in the ceiling! One fell through the vent in the bathroom once. Mr. Kessel was out, and I hear this big thump, crash, bang in the bathroom. Oh, crap. The ceiling vent's falling out again. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, crap, crap, what am I going to do? There's a possum. I can hear it. It's like knocking over all the stuff in the bathroom. So I ring up my dad. Him and my brother come over to get rid of this possum, right? So my brother's like, here, give me the fly screen from the toilet, and we'll block the door with that so the possum can't run in the house, and we'll grab it. But, of course, it's starts climbing up the fly screen. You so know? you drop so, the fly <laughs> screen because there's a possum on it. And so, like, it's about to claw my brother's eyes out because they are vicious little animals. You <laughs> know what just... this reminds me of? This reminds me of Petunia trying to let Dunkirk run around the entrance hall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the rabbit from Monty Python. I warned you, but did you listen to me? Oh, no, you knew all, oh, didn't you? Oh, it's just a harmless little bunny, isn't it? Well, it's always the same. I always oh, tell them, up. do they listen to me? Right. Oh, no. Shut oh. up!
there's bleeding and there's crying and there's screaming and there's swearing, most of it coming from the teachers, and Parvati goes uh. down and Seamus <laughs> gets lit on fire from the, from the sparks. Wow, Ryan, you actually got us on topic for five seconds. Oh, we could get to the rest of us. How are you? How are you going, Death? I'm doing fine. I just have to ask, has Keza tried to pick you up since Tuesday? Ah! <laughs> no, but I haven't talked to her really. Stay away from my woman. Can I haven't told you the worst part. You are not allowed to trap or destroy possums because they are endangered. So I say to Jen too, oh crap, I can't even get rid of the possums. I actually have to fix my house. I can't kill people. <laughs> and she's like, possums are endangered? Like they're all over the place. I'm like, you obviously do not live here. Hey, sounds you- like Patrick Stewart. The line must be drawn here. <laughs> we want to knock the house down, so I don't really want to fix the roof. Well, you can't so do that point. because they, it's now the habitat of an endangered species. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you so may have I read, to actually I, I, sell them the house. You know, my brother is a builder. Maybe I'll get him to fix my roof. Because he, he does it for t- You tried the toilet vent idea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> Not only have I got possums, but they won't let me kill and destroy them. <laughs> no. Kez is a very emotional person this week. She's trying to pick me up. She wants to kill endangered species. She's very, <laughs> it's very graphic. You know, I'm trying to do all this study, and of course, I have to pass up a thesis, and it's like eighteen thousand words. I've written a story that's like you know twenty two hundred thousand words long, you know, and I'm whinging about an eighteen thousand words. There's no thesis. way that's a number. There's no way that's a number. What? What's not enough? Twenty-two hundred thousand. I don't know how long my figures are. <laughs> All I know is that people keep going. It's been two months and you haven't updated, and I'm like, "Have you heard of Writer's Block?" <laughs> yeah, this is why you don't, don't release stories episodically. Release it all at one shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too late now. So yeah, I know. By Bart. Oh, yes, a, a series which she released episodically. Well, the thing. Oh, look at that! Too, look at that! I feel like I am now one with Barb after reading this thing for eight weeks and talking about it for eight weeks. Turn so I, I am starting to understand her writing process. I know that she sat down and wrote out patrol schedules for all of the prefects and teachers. <laughs> she had a chart on the wall where she worked the whole thing out. And then, because these characters are effing real in her head, once she spent like a day and a half making the schedule, she let people change shifts. And she let them reschedule and call out. And she made, well, hold on, Hermione can't do it. Let me see if I can get Harry to cover that shift. And she actually rescheduled the whole thing. She is running her own small business. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. absolutely believe it. Barb, and what amazes me about Barb is that she used to update every two weeks. I think it was. And we would get a chapter of these magnitudes, 15,000 words on average, every two weeks. That's incredible to me. I I followed the story as it was coming out when I was, like, 14, I think. Matt Uh, was one of the people who lied when he said, yes, I'm over the age of seven. I was about to say (laughs) something about that. Isn't there inappropriate material for a 14-year-old in this story? No, it's all completely fine. It's all reasonable. Uh, Of course. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's not that bad until maybe the beginning chapters of the Triangle Prophecy. Anyway, um, <laughs> like, moving at on. which point it goes completely over the cliff. It was fine in the Quidditch changing room in time of good intention because it was oh awkward. yes yes yeah like yeah well, it, well it's another universe it didn't really happen. 
happened. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really happen. East, <laughs> Easter break, year five. Well, there's that. But <laughs> he needed it because, because, because. Because the plot said so. Because the plot said so. I'm not accepting that excuse. The whole last episode, oh. you guys just say it over and over. Oh, it wasn't just the last episode, Matt. It's been all throughout the podcast. Oh, hey. Sometimes, though, you just write things because you need them to happen. <laughs> I have an English class, and in this, we're reviewing a story called The Most Dangerous Game. Uh, in this, you know, a dude falls off a boat, and he arrives at this island, and he walks what in. Oh. And I have to picture Ryan's voice narrating this, because it's just perfect. Because he arrives <laughs> on this island, you know, and there's a castle. So he's like, you know what? Uh, in the middle of the Caribbean, giant castle on an island that a bunch of people are afraid of. I should go in. <laughs> You know, so, so he walks up and then opens the door and Hagrid's standing there. Or I like to think of him because it's this huge Russian dude with a gun and he's aiming at him. And he's like, <laughs> hold on. I'm picturing him, Hagrid, from, you know, Sorcerer's Stone in Diagon Alley with the cage <laughs> holding it up. His name is Hedvig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this guy's standing there and he's like, I come in peace. I fell off a boat. I'm hungry. And the, and the dude doesn't answer. So he's just like, please don't shoot me. Who actually says I come in peace? Peace. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, this was written in like 1920s. It's like one of the most famous stories ever, apparently, according um, to my teacher. They say uh, that and, about everything. Like, this so is this, the most important book you will ever well, read. So, so then this other Russian dude walks up, and he's like, the, he's like, I'm General Zarkov, and he's like, you know, he's like medium height, and he has white hair, and he's like, I'm a, I'm a genius, and I, whenever I see him, I, like, and, and Hagrid's like, this is Hedvig. <laughs> Yeah, and he walks up and he's like, I'm a genius. And while I'm looking at him, I just can't help but picture you, Ryan, as him. Because the way I read it, your voice sounds so much like how he talks. He I goes like a Russian general from <laughs> Well, it's, he goes into this monologue about hunting, and he just goes on and on for like 15 pages. Do I like, talk I don't... about trees? I could be Tolkien if I do that. Well, that's the thing about Psychic Zerb that cracks me up. It's like Harry will literally, Harry has... Like ADHD, as he's going through this entire series, it just cracks me up. But yeah, he okay. doesn't notice any real specifics, like who the Death Eater teacher is. <laughs> yeah, so this general's standing there, and he's like, you know, I read your book, you're a famous hunter, I'm a hunter, I've hunted everything. I was like the richest person in Russia, and then I left because I wanted to go hunt stuff. And I've gone all the way around the world, and nothing's been fun enough, so I've started to hunt humans, because they're the only thing smart enough for it to be interesting, right? So he pulls a gun on the dude after feeding him and giving him clothes, says, you have ten minutes to run, right? Were there so no this, possums on the island? No, there are no possums. Right. It's incredible, though. Uh, he runs along, and so he hides up in a tree, and the general dude's walking around, looks right at him, shoots him in the leg, and walks away. And so this dude's running, and I can just picture Ryan saying, like, and now watch his Captain Kirk runs. Because the way they described him, all I could think of was Captain Kirk from the original Star Trek. Did his shirt rip open as he was running? Yes. That happened frequently. Are you watching Star Trek? Alright, Sue has arrived from her 14-hour trek to the airport. This is razor-sharp Sue. She's a not-happy Hufflepuff. There's such a thing. Sue? Hello? Hey! Sue! Sue. Now, like in Galaxy Quest, when the little alien children looked so cute, and then you got up to them, and they had razor-sharp teeth and wanted to hit you with a rock, how's your current mood? I've calmed down a little... (laughs) Like, picture Suki from Gilmore Girls wanting to kill you. It was kind of frightening. 
Sue, did your brother get on the plane without you murdering him? You know what? I don't know because I said, let me just take you to the airport. It's shorter. And he said, I have my friend's key. We have to go into Portland. I said, it's rush hour traffic in Portland. He said, I know, but he doesn't have any other way into his apartment. So I dropped him off at his friend's house and left him. I have no idea if he's made it to the airport. And at this point, I don't care. Because Puffwa comes first. Puffwa comes first. Sue, I, I, I have never been so frightened of another human being right now. Welcome back to Puffwick Weekly. And I'm Sue. I love how you just take your brother into town and just like drop him off on the street corner. You know, have fun, walk through the hood, you know. Okay, you yeah. <laughs> the hood, it's Portland. Uh, there, there's, hood, there's hood in the Portland, trust me. You have danger everywhere. Keza has a randy possum trying to break through her attic right now. And you know the worst part of my week? My kid is at me to read Deathly Hallows. I'm like, fine, here, have the damn book. And the next thing I know, she's blubbering all over it. It's Hedwig. And my five-year-old is from other room. He's like, yes, we're aware of that. <laughs> That's so so like She's like, Mom, Mando Mooney's dead. And I'm like, get used to it, kid. It's only the beginning. Uh, <laughs> the bloodbath. Well, the thing I love is how the Harmonian is the one telling your daughter just to get used to reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the part that gets to me every time. All right, so we have the chapters for tonight. I've read them all in years past. I'm going by my memory on most of them and what I've read. Dumbledore just scares the ever-living crap out of me in the beginning chapters. He's like, listen. You will not leave your rooms. For the past 150 years, I have let you leave your rooms. You will not leave again. If you do it once, I will beat you. If you do it twice, <laughs> they will never find your body. He'll turn your bed into a port key and teleport you onto the planet where you get hunted by the dude who likes to kill humans. Yeah, like, that's exactly it. Like, it then so happen- like, but the thing, here's the thing. In every Harry Potter novel that we've read, or every Harry Potter fanfiction we've read this year, there is at least one section where Dumbledore converts the student body into slave labor. (laughs) Seriously, think about this. You were in charge of patrolling the school, so you are now our new security system, because we don't want to get ADT. We'll use you guys. So he makes the kids who have, like, a test at 8.30 in the morning stay up until, like, 2.30 in the morning or get up at 3.30 and and just walk around. And then if you find, presumably, a Death Eater... Fight them in hand-to-hand combat. (laughs) Well, if I remember right, the patrols are supposed to be from 9 o'clock to 7 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, I'm like, they're up all freaking night. And I was like, they're already having to do astronomy classes at midnight on Wednesdays. You know, Uh, like, how are they supposed to fit everything in? It's it's hysterical. So now Harry gets to try out for a professional Quidditch team. He, like, beats everyone on the team with a broken arm, and, like, all of his twigs are bent, and he's spinning, and he still manages to catch the damn snitch. You know, he's he's up all night. Then he gets back to the castle, and and McGonagall, like, whips him because he's 25 minutes late for his all-night patrol of the castle. That is just always the thing that cracks. What story were we just reading? Lavender Brown, when they had to do the patrols of the castle and the students had to... Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. I have to ask a a pertinent question here. Is this not somewhat informed by canon? Yeah, but then I only 
keeping like patrols at like nine o'clock at night. Yeah, make they sure everybody's in. All. Everyone, take a quick look down the hallway. Make sure everything looks good. Yeah. Not, here's your assault rifle. Defend us. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just have to say one thing about the Quidditch tryouts. Like, isn't there a rule saying that seekers can't pe- pick up a bat and like start trying to hit other people? Apparently, apparently not. not. Because in like, uh, Psychic Serpent, there was the rule that says as long as you're in the game, you can do whatever the hell you want. Because remember, Harry became the keeper in like Jimmy's. <laughs> Yeah, you can yeah, switch positions, you pick question. up the bat, you can bang the quaffle around. It's just that no one else is allowed to touch the snitch. Right, because he got in trouble for that one. This is my overwhelming question about the story here. Now, Barb <laughs> has made – she's made class schedules for every student at Hogwarts. And she's made – Hey, the, I've the, done that. She's made the patrol schedules for the entire school. Then she's let people I, switch shifts so they can be with their significant other for quiet time or so they can try out for professional sports teams or so they can stay what, away cheat? from that special someone. So the, Have she, an affair? She has, she has <laughs> game plans and she's thought of everything. So the prefect meeting goes on at the same time as the staff meeting. Who's watching the school? The ghosts. <laughs> Everyone right. in power is in a meeting at the same time. Who is in charge? <laughs> the teachers are so crackerjack in this school. One by one, they wander down to the Slytherin common room and get shot. And then another one comes down, <laughs> looking for that one, and he gets shot. Like, eventually you're going to run out of volunteers to go down there to find out what's going on. <laughs> No. Think with the first one who didn't come back, you would send a group afterwards. Hey. But, you know, obviously none of the rest How of the did they get Hagrid, though? In every canon novel, Hagrid's hut blows up and they all try and shoot him and it always bounces off. Like, I'm picturing them hitting him with green armchairs trying to knock him down. No, I'm 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 picturing Hagrid standing there rushing with, like, a revolver like, you don't want to mess with me. Hedvig. The story that shall not be named that I read, there's actually a section where Harry in his seventh year is on the staff, and he's actually the new head of Gryffindor House. I'm not telling you what happened to the other one. And it was down to him and Hagrid, but they couldn't give it to Hagrid because he's too large to fit into the common room. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Magic? Oh my god! So that was the thing. So I I couldn't remember what story I read that in, so I was picturing them saying, and Hagrid was like stuck in the door and couldn't get out. That's how they trapped all the teachers. They got all the teachers in there, and then they got Hagrid stopped up in the door. And, <laughs> no in the and they were underwater, so no one could swim out. It's a perfect plan. <laughs> yes. Well, did anyone think back in Psychic Serpent, it was slightly overdone with the size difference of the giants? So, like, Hagrid's mother's boyfriend there, like, wipes crap out of his mustache or whatever food out of his mustache, and, like, large rats fall to the ground. Like, did anyone ever think that they got the size these things way off? Yeah, I, I did think that. So maybe Hagrid couldn't fit in the common room after, I don't know. It's Hagrid logic. No one out after nine. It's 3.30 in the afternoon. It's after nine o'clock! Everyone go to bed right now. In Hagrid's plan, no one can ever leave, because it's after nine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Was I the only one a bit creeped out by the Maggie Severus Snape one? 
Maggie irks me in this. Maggie's a total know-it-all. She was very Mary Sue-ish in this. Like, I liked her in Time of Good Intentions, because she had the little boyfriend or the husband in the tracksuit. God knows what happened to him. He must have been a communist. And, you know, you, <laughs> and you tell her she's a witch, and that kind of makes sense. And then we're going to go meet another witch. Oh, that's wonderful. And then Ginny gets hit by a car, and then we're sending her emails. Now, in this one, Maggie, you're a witch. Oh, I know. What? What do you mean you know? Oh, I already knew that. Oh, um, you want to do lunch? Because <laughs> there's, like, everything appears to be fine. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, I know. Do you want to borrow my car to go on your field trip? So then they're driving Maggie's car down the coast of England. And it's it just flew. And then all of a sudden she's on the staff at Hogwarts. And oh, by the way, she knew Snape when he Come was on, you didn't know that was coming? I saw that coming a mile away. That she was going to be on the staff? It was just, it, no, it's like she's on the staff. That all the way back in Time of Good Intention. And she's taking all of her classes. She naturally passed Newt in, like, five subjects. Yeah, and, like, in the first hour and a half of the school year before anyone even got there. Like, that whole thing just seemed weird. Like, I'm actually missing the other life because it seemed more plausible there. And it's interesting because Harry doesn't seem to feel bad that in this world she lost her husband from the old one. Like, he just never... Came around. I did think he that was a little bit odd it. that we never really mention Bernard again. Yes. Bernard. Oh, God. He's named after the goat. Goat. I was just thinking this. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Bernard got struck by lightning in the other life. <laughs> oh, God. Right after Chidi got hit by the car. <laughs> Poor Bernard. He ran away, God. Yeah, there's a Bernard in we don't know where he is. And it's like Snape, they met years ago. and Six years ago in a fishing accident. But Maggie was the reason that Snape was pissy his first year because he was on a boat with a chick with red hair and now she's gone because I had to teach your damn class. I'm like, well, wouldn't he have come back anyway? Yeah, I've got to admit, if I were Snape, I'd be pretty upset by that, too. Like, here's the thing. If you're Maggie and you've been kept from your family for years, like anyone who find, who's adopted who finds their birth parents does go through that thing where there's some type of conflict between the you know the birth parents and the adopted parents, especially if they've never come into contact with each other. There'd be some jealousy issues, I'm sure. And you would want to you, you'd not know who you are anymore. There's a lot of things you go through here. It's everything so easy. You want to borrow my card? Bring it back whenever you need. Like, it just seems doesn't like- she bring them to <laughs> up to Ascog Castle? To- they go on vacation within twenty minutes. Yeah. <sighs> well, you got to consider from a storytelling just- perspective at least that you don't really want to exactly repeat the way things went in the alternate universe. Yeah, you were actually because we've read that. In the la- you were commenting on this in the last one, and I was listening to it the other day. I think the comment you had made at the time was that it seemed like it was just a repetition of the, of the first telling, which gets old. I preferred the first time Maggie found out she was a witch to the second time. The second time, it just seemed way too easy. And I was actually disappointed with... Harry telling his friends about the other life because you would think that's like a really big deal. Oh, by the way, I created this whole other universe and I'm really like 30 because I have the you know double experiences in my head and and here's everything that happened. You think it, people would be fascinated to hear you know what did I do in this other world and is there another me out there and you just think that would be like a big deal. I was actually somewhat disappointed in it because it's like Harry tells Hermione she's like oh Harry. 
that is so- come here harry give me a hug and they hug and then they're fine and it's and like she come- does she's not at all curious about oh my god other timelines oh right. crap Right. This is Hermione we're talking about. Yeah, like, I'm remembering back from Nightmare of Future's Past. She sits down with a book, and she's like, okay, I want you to answer all of these questions in triplicate. And she asks about every – you'd think that would be curious. Or even when they all go into the um, pensive and then they come out, the only one who really kind of reacts is Ginny because she comes through and just, like, she gets it's a big deal. Ryan Hermione, you're like, oh, that's that's all Harry. You should sleep more. Well, you know, I thought that was just very weird that Ginny was able to see what was going on because she was holding on to that amulet. What is up with these amulets? I, I want to see this plot device explained and the reason for it existing at all. Well, we find out in these chapters, don't we? I, I know we, we do. I still more. think it's a BS plot device, and I want to know what its real purpose is. In the story that shall not be named, Harry could see Ginny in his hand. Like, when he looked in his palm, Ginny's looking back at him. And my thing is, if you're separated from your teenage girlfriend for a few days, and it's... And is the last place you want her face to be? Yeah, and she just calls up to say goodnight on your hand, and you don't know Uh, what to call. Like, that just seemed like a really weird plot device to use, but um, we'll just leave that exactly... Yeah, let, let's not even go near that. But I was actually just disappointed with, with that end of it. But Well, I hate to be the one to do this, but why don't we try to like steer toward the chapters we're on? We can try, but it's not going to work very well. <laughs> uh, pick a plot point from the chapters and just run with it. I was reading chapter 11, and I think it's Ron talking, and he says, That's just stupid. That law should be changed. Didn't you tell me that's why Katie Bell's dad went to prison? Killing his wife by disarming her? A person shouldn't go to prison for that. <laughs> you should be considered a hero. And I lost it. I am <laughs> <laughs> killing a person by disarming him. <laughs> and it just cracked me up so badly. I just, I just. <laughs> That's heroic. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's all I want to share about chapter eleven. Please continue with your <laughs> rational thought. <laughs> Matt, okay. What you were saying earlier, Ron, about how no one actually reacted to the other side. I have to say the one person that really did was definitely Ron. It was very deep that he was very scared and careful with Harry because he found out that Harry killed his own mother to save him. The fact that Harry has this other life dramatically changes his character in this story and in the, you know, the later chapters of the last story. That, that's the big deal. The fact that there was this other life, the fact that there was a Jamie, the fact that there was another relationship with Jenny and that Draco was his best friend and his mother was alive. All that. Everything affects him. What I didn't sense was really affecting the other characters was the fact that Harry had that experience. It was kind of like, whoa, you know, that, you know that, that's impressive. And they kind of move on from it. They continue <laughs> to treat him as their Harry. This is Harry. Harry Potter. This is Harry Potter. Oh, you're Harry Potter. You're the boy who lives. What you were saying about arithmancy, like, that is actually really too simple for how complicated they make it out to be. Like, I, I'm doing calculus, and it's much harder than that. And I, I love how they're complaining about it, and maybe it's because that they start it when they're 13, but it's just not that hard from what we see of it in this story. Yeah, well, the thing with arithmancy, too, is, like, they're throwing numbers back and forth, and they all sound like accountants. Ew, it's <laughs> god-awful. I like, personally, the concept. I like it how I write it, but this implementation of it makes my head hurt. They I stink. didn't understand what they were doing. All of a sudden, they start waffling on about, just this birthday, well, we moved it to this birthday, and she it's this plus this plus this, and so she, she lived here for 12 minutes, and then they moved here for 16 hours, and then they lived here for 24 years, so that makes 
perhaps, you know, 562. And on behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. Case in point, I'm a very smart guy. I have, like, a master's degree. I'm really smart, okay? I'm taking my honeymoon. I am going to be gone for 13 days and 11 nights. I have still not figured out how that is possible. Because of jet lag and daylight savings and the curvature of the Earth in Greenwich Mean Time, I have no idea how I am gone for 13 days and 11 nights. I cannot figure that out for the life of me. So you would think these characters would be... you're going to the future. Yeah, you're going into the future. Are you flying east? I'm flying east. Well, then you're going into the future. But then I'm coming back, though, aren't I? Well, yeah, but say you travel for 24 hours, then you add a day, even though a day hasn't really passed. But wouldn't I give that day back when I come home? No, time doesn't go in reverse. Time doesn't go in reverse. Okay, is this going to be like the Twilight Zone episode? Here's what you do. You leave in the evening, so you're flying backwards through the day. Am I flying backwards through time or backwards through the day? Backwards Backwards through through the day. day. I'm I'm not traveling through time at all. No. No, this you might be. Traveling <laughs> through time would require reversing I, the spin of the Earth. No, I can just see you doing the uh, Journey Home Star Trek where you, like, spin the plane around the sun and go back to 1987 and, and play with the whales. whales. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, my question is, if I look out the plane, like, is this going to be like the Twilight Zone episode when I look out the, like, the, the, the window of the plane and see dinosaurs walking on the ground? Like, that's not going to happen either, right? <laughs> Uh, I no. doubt it. I doubt. I just want to see Gaelic people. That's really all I want from my honeymoon. I want to see that, and I want to just drive on the oh, wrong side t- of the road. Hey, you're talking to you're Gaelic. I thought you were from like half Irish, half Tennessean, or whatever. I yes, um, I'm. I'm very highly Irish, and I have a small part of me that's Cherokee Indian. That is very cool. Yes, that is very impressive. I'm traveling. Australian. <laughs> I have an uncle who walks around speaking Gaelic all the time. I can't understand half of it. Well, I'm actually going to possibly use Gaelic music from uh, Battlestar Galactica at my wedding, which, when you hear this, has already happened. <laughs> such a geek! Dude, you, you were going to play the father-son music from, like, episode three, aren't you? No, we want to do, from the season four soundtrack, uh, Farewell Apollo. We want to do the one where Apollo leaves the show. Is being a dork. If I'm being a dork. Because you, you just called me a geek without having heard the thing. <laughs> Will everyone in the party be dressed as officers from the Battle because, of Star Galactica? Because we could do Because if we did come, I have to vote for Fatley right after uh, oh, the yeah, second season of Keza, yeah. you haven't seen the show yet. In the second season of this show, there's a small oriental actress on the show, and her character gets pregnant, so they get like a belly for her, like a synthetic belly to stick under her clothes to make her look pregnant. And in the next season, one of the characters, one of the male characters, like in the season break, supposedly just starts binge eating. So he's this really athletic, good-looking guy. And then when the season comes back, he's in this huge fat suit. They took the the pregnant belly and they shoved it down the back of his pants. Oh. And like that, was, and like that was, he was wearing the pregnant belly. That was part of his fat suit. You totally had to wear the admiral uh, outfit with the badges. Oh, you want me to do that with like the like the little fan things that come out of the shoulders? Yeah, I'll try and do. That. Oh yes. yes, that would be sweet. Well, I but, just went to Mr. Tux. I didn't see one, but I'll look again when I go back. You can get specialty costumes. The point I was making about going around the world, I want to see all the characters at a table in the Great Hall just staring at each other, crickets in the background going, all right, you take five and you subtract three? 
Like, I want to see them that confused over it. Rod's like, oh my god, her birthday's on the 18th, 1 plus 8 is 9, 9 is invisible, but they're like, they're coneheads, stop it, it's hey. <laughs> hey, Ryan, if, if you do wear the admiral suit, Danielle either has to wear the president's outfit or a flight suit. Laura Roslin has no outfit. She has normal clothes. She's, that was just my thing with the arithmetic. I'm like, why is Ron all of a sudden like a conehead? He's like, mm. <laughs> that, he's doing was... long addition in his head. It was very disconcerting. When does Ron study arithmetic over the summer? Yeah, because Harry took it in his other life. Mm-hmm. Which my thing was, if you're talking to people you haven't told that little secret to, that little chestnut about the other life, aren't they going to be like, <laughs> how the hell do you know all this shit? Like, you know, like, that, was, that, was just, that was just my thinking with that. Sue, I just want to say, I love your notes from these chapters. My favorite is the one where you're like, Harry is into safe sex. Well, he was. He's in there with Jenny, and they realize, if we turn the lights out, we're harder to see. Now, my thought is, are these really the same people who can do arithmetic in their heads? There's a, a bit in chapter 11 here. I'll read it. Harry, wait, I'd rather not risk someone walking in, and it's impossible to f- put a foolproof lock on the dorm door. We'll need someone to be a guard. But who, Hermione said quietly. Anyone you ask is sure to want to know why. And then Harry spotted Ginny sitting with Ruth and Zoe. Yeah, I know, but it's all right. I'll ask Ginny. She already knows. Ron, she already knows. I don't even know what she knows that I don't know, but I know well, that I think I should have known before she knew. I have several I mean, comments on that. My know, first yeah. comment, in Lavender Brown's entire series, that series would not have happened if it was impossible to put a lock on the bedroom door. Number two, <laughs> number two, what if you're taking your pants off? You mean to tell me there's no lock on the damn thing? You can't lock the door for two minutes if you had to in the case of you an know, emergency? The reason they couldn't get anybody else to do it was because if they didn't tell them what they were doing, it would just look like they were going in there to have a three-way or something. Like, you well, know, stand out here. Okay, or, but like, how does it look any better to have Ginny sitting at the door with a book? Like, if someone tries to get in, does she hit them with the book? Like, okay, say it's someone like Lavender who she could conceivably take. Does she get up and put both of her arms against the side of the door and say, Stop! No, it's better but how- for them if they did let rumors like that go around. They couldn't possibly be any worse than the other rumors that go floating about the school about Harry turning his snake into a girl and, and doing things with her. I mean, come on. No, I, yeah. That was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. One thing about Jenny Garden that I don't understand is she has the amulet, right? So she's seeing everything like Harry sees. Won't that cover her eyesight? So she's just sitting I there know, watching him. Just walks around her and gets in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she can't see anything. What's the point of having her guard? So, so Kevin, yeah, it's like, seriously, it's like the blind guy is your security guard. Though. And then, of course, they come out, and they're, like, just very sad, and their little tears that they're wiping away. Then Ginny comes in and kicks them out and just holds Harry in the dark. She runs in and goes, get out! And they're, like, run away, like, don't even say anything? Yeah, yeah. well, Ron probably would have resisted, because Ron's the Incredible Hulk in this one. So, okay, I wasn't here last week. Hermione went to Canada and got shot? Yes. Yes. By Canadians. Yes. She comes to the wedding with a flesh wound. The woman has no ability to put on makeup. It's like lioness. Her guts are leaking out out of her hands. Exactly. Just, just, you know, push the spleen back in. Push the spleen back in. The Aurors are suddenly the bad guys. The Aurors are idiots. They don't trust her. into stormtroopers wearing pink dresses. (laughs) That was hysterical, wearing a like a pink dress over the chest. They're the best of the best, and they're that clueless. I w- 
you would my, think maybe being Aurors would require muggle studies, perhaps. Like, my favorite part of that is that he's like, the wedding, you know, bride bailed out at the last second, and everyone walks over and starts talking to them. And while they're distracted, couldn't, like, Harry and Sirius just walk out and they wouldn't even know? They could, but where would be the fun in that? We'd get to miss all that. I, I thought the scene was hysterical myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. poor man. Oh, I know what that's like. Oh, let me buy you a drink. I have no yeah. idea why I dipped into an Dude, accent. Dude, you can right totally there. do a dwarf voice. You sh- you're Scottish. He's from Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> where is that? I have no idea where that is. It's Center of Massachusetts. It's Massachusetts. It's largest city. It's, Massachusetts. Spelled, it's spelled W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R. And people call me of all course. day. And they're like, is it Worcester? I'm like, listen to me. Worcester. Worcester. Don't 90% of the people in Papua, like, live in the northeast? Of where? Uh, Oh, Papua. I thought you said (laughs) Buffalo with a really strong accent. (laughs) Papua. I only know two people who don't live in the northeast, like, area, like Pennsylvania. Like, Lady Ryu, because she's in Mexico. Well, we have Jules, and we have Jen in Texas. We have Robert in California. We have Aaron in Florida. And we have Sue in Oregon. Oh, by the way, Kezas in Australia. wanted to point out the fact that the prefix or the night watchman at the school when Remus as an actual night watchman nowhere yeah. found for the entire storyline. <laughs> well, that, you know, they'd have to shoot him, so. It, well, there, there's that too. Um, there's the entire conversation Harry uh, Harry has with Ginny where he's basically like, Ginny, if you want to have wild animal sex with Draco, I will not I only understand, understand <laughs> I encourage it, and then, then he's like, okay, thanks, bye, and like he has no idea why the conversation doesn't go over as well as he thought. The oddest chapter break I've read in a while, Appleby, Magna, Leicestershire. Like, what the crap? I'm like, I have to remember what I heard from Appleby. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least it's you just... can pronounce it. I just looked at it and went, I'm not even trying. Well, it's especially hard because it's not about one of our canon characters, yeah. per se. It's about the one so, that never existed. Like, it's kind yeah. of like, mm. it, to it's hard to <laughs> I'm like, even if I remembered that was the town where presumably, what was it, Maggie's parents lived and they were living in uh, Petunia Pother's... Petunia Pother. Oh, oh wow, that <laughs> is amazing. Oh, uh, the AU good. from... Hell. I'm almost positive I've read one like that somewhere. Well, no, we just did the peon cast where Petunia married Remus, so it's not really that big of a stretch, is it? <laughs> the one where Petunia was the witch instead of Lily, and then, like, you know, she ends up marrying uh, James. It's all backwards. And then, like, Harry ends up, like, hating his mom, and she tries to, like, murder Ron or something. I think I'm getting this mixed up with Psychic Serpent. I was about to say, <laughs> you just read that. Like, you read that a week and a half ago. I just read that. The fact that there was a boat trip pleased me greatly. (laughs) I was reading this and my exact notes read as follows. Aunt Petunia is coming to Hogwarts. I bet she's going to be a Slytherin because all Slytherins are evil. I think I I recognize an inherent dislike of Slytherins on the author's part, despite Harry is learning about individual Slytherins being good people. She hasn't read this show. Where else do you put her? Where else would you Hufflepuff. put Petunia? Seriously. You made Petunia <laughs> put, put her in Hufflepuff. She needs hugs. We are tired of being the other house. Like, she needs hugs. We throw everyone we don't <laughs> want in there. It's you just... know what? 
Harry hugs her and she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't. She has no clue. Well, then first, Harry... He is no Hufflepuff if she doesn't know what to do with a hug. Well, well, ha- well, you got to consider this. The Sorting Hat wanted to put her somewhere else. She insisted on Slytherin. She probably belonged in Hufflepuff. Well, but the but the whole thing was that uh, Harry's figuring out that anyone in his bloodline can, like, choose. Like, what's up with that? Well, I'm not sure if it's anyone in his blood. That's a plot device. Oh, yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. Well, it actually exactly says that. It says that people in his family... <laughs> well, that's canon, though, though, because right at the end of Deathly Hallows, when Albus is all worried about being in Slytherin, and, and Harry tells him, yeah, the hat asked me. The reason that the hat asked him to be in Slytherin was because of the Horcrux, and the hat could detect... Yeah. But, I know, but Harry yeah, but, gives Al the impression that he can choose, too. Well, it, you know? it, it never says that just people in his family can choose. I assume that anybody can choose if they really want to. Do you think Hermione chooses to be in Gryffindor over Ravenclaw? Uh, it says in canon that the hat wanted to put her in Ravenclaw, but she wanted Gryffindor. I don't know what no, specifically mentioned, but she was canon. arguing with it. She was mm-hmm. arguing with it in canon. Can I get yes. back to what's important here? When Petunia got on the bow that nearly capsized... <laughs> Dumbledore had to get in there and use his body weight to contain and level the boat. Colin yeah, Greavy appears to meet the squid. <laughs> yeah, Colin Greavy appears and pulls her out and is like, yeah, don't worry, I did it too. Happens all the time. Well, then she gets into the entrance hall and immediately trashes Hogwarts. Like, she's there for four and a half minutes. And Harry's the new butler, and he's, like, carrying her crap. The little dog's running around, like, biting people in the Great Hall. Yeah, I love Albus. Ask you, Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's the classic Asio Haggard thing from canon. You just swear he's going to fly and hit him in the face. That's like, not in canon. That's not Mesofutius Pass. <laughs> no, no. In Deathly Hallows. In the, oh, like, Deathly Hallows. Oh, that's right. No, Mesofutius Pass is Asio Dementius. <laughs> oh, right. I'm getting so confused. The best she line ever. You thing that makes me feel horrible about myself and killed my parents or whatever come closer to me <laughs> yes but in canon when hagrid goes off the motorbike yes. he's like asio hagrid i I was very impressed with the fact that there is a prophecy in the story we're at the point now where someone was asking me who i thought the daughter of war was and i said luna forgetting she's not in the damn thing because there's so many references to actual canon stuff i keep forgetting that Barb, at this point, had no earthly idea that might happen. So we had... I'm sure there was talk, maybe, of a prophecy before Order of the Phoenix came out. There had to have been. Does anyone remember? Did she come up with the idea of a prophecy and it happened to be in canon? Or was that... Oh, she, she came up with it on her own. She guessed a lot of stuff on her own. Though. Yeah, very she, I mean... Well, the whole thing, I can't honestly remember who the second daughter of war is. I seem to think it's Ginny, but that seems too easy. Yeah, that's what I thought, because, like, if Ginny was it, then that's the first person that everybody guessed as soon as we found out about the prophecy. Well, I don't think it's hard to guess that there was a prophecy just from Harry being boy who lived and surviving the killing curse and all that. I don't think it's hard to extrapolate from the setup of the first four books that we've got a I prophecy want, to deal with. I want the goddess of war to be like the most random person it could possibly be. It's it's uh, McGonagall. It's Jamaica Thomas. <laughs> yes, it's Jamaica. Or as what Matt called her Bell. earlier, the Jamaican. <laughs> well, what it should be Katie Petunia? Bell. Is it Petunia? No, Petunia is the older woman. Well, oh, yeah, but right. Mike discovered this for us in, in our uh, earlier. <laughs> that's episode. right. Harry wants Petunia much in the desires same way. Desires her. Right. Harry <laughs> desires <laughs> Petunia much in the same way Keza desires me. 
Uh, isn't that incest? <laughs> oh, you're making me cry now. I'm remembering Mike's conversation. Well, here's the deal, Ryan. <laughs> the, the difference between that is that, Ryan, you and Kenza would be legal, but I think, is is uh, incest illegal in Britain? I'm married. It's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's legal. Not, it's I just not. I, I still got six weeks. We can live in sin. Well, adultery isn't a crime. It, it it's a is moral it, turpitude. Yeah, yeah, it's a sin. But is it a crime in Australia? <laughs> two episodes ago, as we discussed two weeks ago, it's illegal to throw a pregnant moose out of a plane in Alaska. So I'm sure it's very possible. <laughs> it's illegal for Kezer and I to make like possums in our attic. So possums in the attic. <laughs> here in here in Tennessee. I can never meet Danielle now. <laughs> Look, I just tell you, I showed Danielle the conversation, and she thought it was fantastic. So I know what that's. About. You know, you know, here in Tennessee, you have to yield for cows on the road. You have to yield for cows. Well, what are you supposed to do? What part of Tennessee are you in? India. <laughs> so I can recap. If you see a cow on the side of the road, they don't want you to hit it with your car. No. Well, if the cow's in the in like the lane in front of you, and like the lane to the left of you is open, so you try to go around it, that's illegal. If a cop saw you, they could pull you over and give you a ticket. I was driving to work yesterday, and I'm on this very narrow on ramp because they're doing construction. So I'm like driving, and like I'm barely getting my car through to get on the highway. There's a family of geese standing in the middle of the road. I can top that. I'm coming back from a party one night very early in the morning doing a gig, and it, it's just a little before dawn. You get that fake light, but the sun's not really up. I'm going down the highway, and what do I see? It's, it's a limited access highway. I see a deer running in the fast lane. You were playing a gig? Are you in a band? I'm a DJ, yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. He tells me this now after I booked the wedding. <laughs> yeah. I, don't really play that sort of music, although I could if you wanted me to. I'm playing Battlestar Galactica walking down the aisle. How do you know what kind of music we're playing? You'll do uh, it for 50 bucks Canadian because it's worth <laughs> much more than American. I know, it's like in this story, they're all using muggle money and they're like, I'm, like and then you can tell the wizards are like looking at it upside down, like, hmm. Yeah, well, I thought it was very interesting, the idea that maybe it's just transfigured bits of paper. <laughs> I can see, like, a wizard depression, and they all switch to muggle money because it's worth so much more. Brilliant! Kez, are you here? Yeah. Hi. Hi. I have no idea what you all are talking about, so I'm just sitting here minding my business. I'm actually, uh, Pumpkin, I'm gonna hang up on you and put you back in. Hang on one second. like, <laughs> what?! <laughs> I've got a small comment on Quidditch. Okay, just, okay, just uh, don't invite her back in now. Yeah, exactly. All right, don't Quidditch. invite her back in? Well, <laughs> Quidditch. Go Harry, in the middle of Quidditch tryouts for the Welsh team, Harry's competing, and he's trying to save his opponents from being hit with bludgers. Harry has no idea that Quidditch is a rough game. He doesn't know how to play this game, and it was exactly the sort of tomfoolery that held him up in the second task. Nobody is going to let him have a spot on the national team for good moral fiber. 
<laughs> but he caught the snitch, so that's all the case. Was a good moral he, fiber he, or excellent know, moral fiber? For excellent moral character, moral fiber, I don't know. Whatever well, it is, what, they're not going to give him a spot on the team for having it. Well, a, he gets the snitch too, though, right? He should not have, quite honestly. We all know it was going to happen, but he shouldn't have gotten it with this sort of behavior. He's going up against a professional here. I have a question about Ron being a werewolf. Is it apparent by looking at him that he's a werewolf? Because he's described as hairy and, like, white hair and is growing by the minute. (laughs) It depends on what time of the month it is. Well, doesn't it always? <laughs> well, what does it mean? Did it just sound like you said what I think you said, Death? Oh, I didn't say anything. I did. You're interpreting something that I said in a very perverse manner. I think I said it, didn't I? I can't remember. Yeah, you... Did I go there? Oh, who knows? All right. I did, and then you sort of did. All right. Um, I did think that Luna was the daughter of war. Um, unfortunately, she's not in the story, but I didn't know if she was retconned in. I can't remember. She always wears big hats. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. Okay, the Gringotts hostage crisis is slowly becoming like the Iranian hostage crisis, which I was wondering led to the downfall of Jimmy Carter's presidency. The problem is Voldemort's bullhorn. Where is it? Can someone not use it to negotiate? It's like year three <laughs> because all of the galleons in the world are in this one building. Like, this is the continuity of government plan. The entire world collapses because they can't get into this one building. Is there not a back door to Gringotts? Oh, there's not. The security is that good. Well, apparently it could be better. (laughs) Voldemort's probably after saying, you know, give up all Diagon Alley to me. You have one hour. (laughs) Diagon Alley? (laughs) I, I, I have trouble saying that word. Diagon Alley. Diagonelli. Diagonelli. Like he does in the in the movie. Because when he says Diagonelli, that means Borgen and Burks. <laughs> Which, what, what did he say? Diagonelli. Like, why did he come out there when he said, oh, well, let's not get in the cannon. Steve no. Cloves is the reason he did that. <laughs> you find out that Neville is really a year older because he looks fabulous. And like, I have a question. <laughs> well, first, is Neville a bagel? No. He's not really because he's, he's a year older. older. He's, he's like six months older and all he did with his excess time was like play with dirt. Well, one thing. Okay, so well, no, because Neville he was aged like. Okay, okay, no, it was a time turner. It wasn't Tempest Fugitive. It was Tempest Fugitive. He and Sprout would be in their mid seventies. But okay, so he's a year older, but he looks dashing and he looks dapper and lots of other D words. And I'm like, okay, it's it's been a year, but you know, it's a formative year. I can see that. But okay. Harry's response to Neville slowing down the passage of time to relive the same period over and over and over again to lead to the defense of the magical world, his entire response was, nah, I'm unimpressed. It happens. Because he's had this whole other <laughs> life that no one is making a big deal about. Yeah. So he's like, huh, that's a funny little book. You should tell the story at, like, cocktail parties. <laughs> well, I have to get off now anyway, so bye, guys. Thanks very much for doing it, Matt. Appreciate it. Have a good night, Matt. Okay, bye. Bye. I'm talking like Jen. Bye. 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 Bye.
Um, before we go to chapter 13, do we have anything for chapter 12? Uh, was this the chapter with the apparition stuff in it? Uh, I believe it was. Yes, um, I think it is. So I'm reading someone else's notes because mine were rubbish. I was reading, I'm like, you can't apparate with children and you can't apparate when you're pregnant because oh, I'm like, but you can sign along. And I'm thinking, yes. was this written before... Was it written before we knew how apparition worked? Did we only find out about side-along apparition in Half-Blood Prince? I'm pretty sure we did, because I made a list of things that irritated me in fanfiction, and one of those was that you can't apparate with somebody else, and then book six came along. Because I was confused, because I'm sitting, I'm having this little rant, I'm like, what a stupid thing, of course you can with side-along apparition, and Harry and Dumbledore went, blah, 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 made up all these stupid rules, and then I stopped myself and went, oh... Maybe it was written before we knew that. <laughs> okay, I'm good now. But yeah, I had okay, that. I'm, I'm also I hanging up. Hang Kezza, hang on one second. Let me just hang up and you put you back. I think the possums <laughs> are actually standing on her cable line. Anyone else getting that feeling? What? Why do you keep doing that? Because we don't like you. No, just you're, the possums are walking on your cable line or something. Can you not hear me? We can hear you now. Okay, good. But I was just like, sometimes, you know, when you're reading a fanfic and you have to remember when it was written, otherwise you can get really, really, really annoyed by it because well, it does stupid crap. That makes sense. So you have- that might be why Lily didn't just apparate the hell out of Godric's Hollow when Voldemort came. I mean, that would be, unless there was like an anti-apparation war. There must have been a ward because you can slide along apparate. Well, you know what yeah. they also don't have in canon? Wards. What? Don't have wards in canon. Yeah. They must have some kind of thing because she can't operate in Hogwarts. Really? Was that in canon? Yes. That's I'm canon. Kidding, yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm yes, kidding. Yes, it was. Well, so did anyone else I think that was ridiculous in Half-Blood Prince that Dumbledore yes. like, lowers the apparition shield around the Great Hall? And then I'm like, can't all the Death Eaters just, you know, beam in now through the hole? Only if they know it's Can there. What are we talking about? Half-Blood, Sorry, I've lost the plot. No, Half-Blood Prince, when uh, Dumbledore lowers the apparition shield around the Great Hall or whatever, I'm like, really? You can do that? No, it's not that he oh, does that. It. It's just that but being that headmaster gives him special privileges. That was yeah. really cool. And I love that in the movie, by the way. Harry, sometimes it's good to be me. It's good yeah, to be I the king. I liked that. Some people were, like, mocking, oh, it's rubbish. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? If they have to film the whole thing with the Rosmurder and the broomsticks, they have to pay Rosmurder, and it takes up, you know, valuable time. Well, I'm thank like, God she's not the Rosmurder from this universe, because that Rosmurder had vaginal dryness, <laughs> as we recall. <laughs> she's a very angry young woman. <laughs> well, like, I have to agree with Keza on all of that. I was originally upset about the apparition, but then she just said what she said now, and I got to agree. It makes perfect sense. Brilliant! In the story itself, there's points where Barb resembles Wikipedia. And it's uh. like she can directly give you the, the entire route you need to get from the Weasley family home to Surrey, and she's an expert on a lot of different things, or she conveys a lot of different things. We have the week where we had the Jews on the podcast, and we went into that. I mean, there's a lot of informative information here, but sometimes it reads like someone's actually reading from a textbook, or the Barb is actually reading from a textbook. So I was very concerned we were going to get an essay on the importance of microorganisms. Yeah. Like that whole thing, actually, where they're talking about, you know, here, this is how we operate, and here's a whole bunch of theory, and who knows what a parasite is, and la la. I just find 
that some of that makes the, the reading actually quite hard because it, I'm just like falling asleep. Even if I'm not reading it at midnight, I'm still going, who cares? Mm-hmm. I didn't come here to do my year nine biology class. I well, came here to read Harry Potter fan fiction. Well, like last week when they did the whole thing on the genes, on genes and you know, you have a Wingardium Leviosa gene or you have, you know, certain genes are turned on and off. It's like a giant switchboard. The thing that got me with that was, this is the expression, the two things you never want to let people see you make are laws and sausages because it's just not good if you see either of those being made. My thing was, it's magic. It's a children's book. Let Harry have magic and his wand aims it and focuses his magic. It's like an inner uh, like energy source and does all this. Yeah. Crap. It's like I don't want to read the manual. It's like the Star Trek fans like when I watch Star Trek, they have warp engines. And when Wesley in his little acting ensign suit that doesn't zip up all the way in the back hits that <laughs> engage button, the ship goes wicked fast. Okay, now, why don't we all get crushed against the back wall? We've got an inertial damper. Oh, okay. And how do we stop the ship? Well, there must be vents on the damn thing, so I'm sure there's a big vent. In the, like, like there's stuff like that, which is fine. You want it to make enough sense. Like on Battlestar Galactica, they drop the ship through an atmosphere of a planet, and, and it goes into free fall. And they're like, you know what? The hull looks really thick. It can be nuked. I'm sure it can stand up to turbulence. Like, that's enough. But they have For those of you up. keeping score, that would be, be two shots. Two shots. Back to back. Two shots. But you know what? I don't need the fans who show me, like, they know where all of, like, the conduits go and the vents, and they know what the, what the plate numbers are, and they... Where so they what go. you're saying, Ryan, is that... I can't remember. Kid. Guide me home. The things are... <laughs> Like the fans in Galaxy Quest, yes. you think they take it a little too far, where they actually have computer simulations? Yes, I don't need to know how, yeah. thank you. I don't need to know how, I'm glad he said that, or I wouldn't have known how to finish that sentence. I don't need to know how magic works. I get that it's powerful, I get that it's, you know, I, I get that. And yes, it is interesting to talk about, you know, the origin of it and why some people have it and some people don't. And just saying genes is good enough. But I feel like it, it was, like, taken to the extent that we got the blueprints on magic, which takes some of the enjoyment out magic. of the reading. I, I was about that, to say the magic, magic out of it, but I was struggling not to go <laughs> I was going to save you from that, Ryan. Well, th- this here with the genes is just like the listing of the roads, the villages, the names of all the younger Gryffindors, and which ones are dating, and the timetable for the prefect patrols, and... It, it reminds me of Monty Python, where so much of their humor and their sketches is just listing things, like different types of cheese or euphemisms for dying. Except this isn't funny. It's painful. <laughs> I don't bloody care. The author should know exactly what is going on, should have lists upon lists. I know I have them myself, but only to add atmosphere to the story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a few days later, they were on their way to potions class, and you know they are on their way to potions class because they didn't have potions six times already this week. Yeah, Little exactly. Things. You have that list. You have that timetable so that you can go, okay, I want Harry now to move from his class, and I want him to meet McGonagall as he's going to the library. Where is exactly. he coming from? And you just look at you look, oh, he was in... History of Magic, so you can, you know, you know where he's in the castle and you know where he's coming from, but it actually doesn't matter. I mean, he might just, you know, you might have him give a cheeky wave to Bins as he leaves because he's in a good mood or something, and that gives an atmosphere that you know where Harry's been. But you don't mm-hmm. need to say, Harry got his time type 
and on Friday at 9am he had History of Magic followed by a free period. He was going to use that free period to go and study in the library. Hermione would be so proud. You know, you just don't need that. And he liked to make Hermione proud because when she looked at him like that, he got the little tingles in his Johnson. And he was remembering the time at Christmas when he was having that happen a lot and Sirius walked in on them. And I wonder how Sirius is doing it. I should send him a letter. think that it's a little bit weird and creepy that Harry, Ron and Hermione are hanging out in the Gryffindor common room in front of the fire and they're just hanging out and they start talking about, you know, sexual intimacy and Harry is just like talking about it with Ron and Hermione just a little bit too casually. I'm like, no, Harry and Hermione used to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And now Ron's talking to Harry. You know, Hermione's not there at this point, though, but they're having this conversation, and Ron's like, I don't know if I should do it. I'm feeling very Randy. I'm feeling more Randy than 13, 13-year-olds, but I don't want to hurt her. And Harry's like, you know, she's pretty tough. You know, he's like, oh, (laughs) did she ask you to do it, Ralph? I'm like, stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to excuse his mind for going where it is, because he is... Under the influence of the moon, and what do you think? If like, oh, I'm, you know, what, I'm not going to go there. I'm Thank not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. It involved Quick. possums, but carry on. Quick, somebody go somewhere else, please. Papa chicka bow wow. They eventually get to the point there where they go, oh, oh, we mustn't talk about this. But it just drags on a paragraph or two too long for me. I'm just like, no, you're supposed to stop talking about it as soon as you even think it. It's not supposed to come out of your mouth. And they just yeah. talk too much about sex. There are certain things out, that like, the two of them just should not talk about. Hermione and having sex with her is one of them. I was talking to Mr. Kezzy the other day, and we want to go to Queensland. And my ex-boyfriend happens to live in Queensland. Now, here's one of my Facebook friends. And this is cool. It's all good. Anyway, I'm like, oh, we should drop in on them because, you know, I'm friends with him and his wife and everything. And Paul's like, no, nah, no, nah, you guys used to kiss. And, like, that's been <laughs> the conversation. And so I'm like, you know, uh, yeah, let, let's not talk about kissing someone the guy we don't need to talk about that no. i don't want to look at right him along. <laughs> he doesn't want to look at him is what it is yeah i just made the flippant comment i'm like oh you should be grateful to him because he taught me how <laughs> <laughs> there you go and he's like oh shut well, up i'm like okay well it's, it's uh, the old joke or the old snide remark you know oh you, you think she's a good kisser yeah how do you think she got so good Maggie, in addition to all of her other talents, has telepathy and has apparently mm-hmm. also signed up for three-way calling. Yes. <laughs> they have a conference <laughs> call going on, much like Pufa right now. I just found that so bizarre. They're sitting all plot. around, right? And, it's a plot And device. Maggie's sort of like, Harry, I know you love her. I know she loves you too. Really? How do you know that? I don't know. Let's give her a call. You know, <laughs> like, she can ring my mind. You can do that. Well, Draco is sitting right here, so you can't look at each other because he might get suspicious. <laughs> I'm just like, what the? Do you really want your older sister? Which I think, by the way, is just very bizarre that Ginny has an older sister. It's just I find it very hard to yeah. get my mind around that. But do you really want her in the conversation where you like confess your undying love for each other? The whole thing is a plot device for Harry and Ginny, and quite frankly, by this point in the story, I'm bored with plot devices. I'm bored with the amulets. I'm bored with Maggie's telepathy here. I'm bored. I want a story. I'm tired of lists. I'm tired of devices. I want some real good storytelling. I I actually found actually during these chapters, because overall I've enjoyed the story, but I actually found in these few chapters that not 
much seemed to happen. Everything seemed to drag. Like, Ginny, Ginny, I want you. Yes, Harry, I want you too, but you've got to stay with Draco, otherwise he's going to kill himself. Okay, we'll deny ourselves for 24,000 too- chapters. That really <laughs> came too fast, too. It's Harry tells the story about his other life in Ginny's bedroom, and then it's like, Harry, I love you, I love you, I've always loved you, I couldn't tell you because, well, Draco's asleep right now, he probably can't hear me. Like, you would think yeah. that she would have a harder time saying, I love you to him, it just kind of, like, slips out. And then mm-hmm. but Draco's like having it off with Mariah or whatever. Mariah the Selkie. As oh, if we needed just... more random abstract background. But see, that's plot. what I mean. It's like adding another plot into another, and it's like, it's ended up like Breaking Dawn. There's just too much in there. It's like stick to your one or two strands so that we can follow rather than going, okay. Now Harry's watching Maggie and Severus, and then, you know, Percy's been kidnapped with the Death Eaters. Is a Death Eater? I don't even know. By that point, I'm, like, so out of it when I'm trying to read and trying to follow every ruddy plot point. Yeah, I think an easier way to look at it is the second story was really tightly focused on the other life because you couldn't have secondary plot points. You couldn't have anything else going on because you had yeah. Harry on this very solo mission. And it was so fascinating. And then kind of like when they got back, things got a little weird. Like all the teachers are locked in a broom closet and Harry's assuming command of Hogwarts. And you know what I mean? And we're going into the woods and Hermione causes a forest fire. And it's just, it goes bizarre. And the thing that I think really saves the end of the second one for me was Ron and Ron becoming a werewolf because that was just so different. And that was... Something that Barb sticks with, much like Harry and how when he went into the other world, how that affected him when he came back, Ron will never be the same again. And because Ron's never the same again, you can have the trio all becoming the Megai, and they can and they can go with Ron, and it mirrors you know the Marauders. And I think that's just a great thing too. Um, one thing in these chapters, which um, I didn't reread, but I remember it from my first reading, was the incident with Parvati and Ron. The impact that has on Ron and where Ron goes from there. I think that was a really strong point, but I think that it's a lot of um, fluff pieces. You have you know, Maggie, who I can't take seriously, and I really can't take Maggie and Snape seriously. You know, and they're bothing, and they're wearing sailor suits, and all this. And all this you know, and, like I'm just picturing, sorry, mental picture of Snape in a sailor suit. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and it's like, and it's like, she's, in a it's, sailor suit. It's like Ginny and Harry on a Skype call, and, and and Maggie's hosting it, and it's like all this random. It's just, it's bizarre. It's like that's it doesn't go anywhere. Well, no, it is no, too. Nothing it, ever goes anywhere. I'm it, frustrated it, with it. It didn't go anywhere, and it was just a lot of build up, build up, build up, build up. And it didn't really go anywhere. Like, what I had expected on my first read, and I couldn't really remember where it went, so I was kind of expecting it on my second read, was I was expecting, okay, he's going to come back into the regular world, and as a result of, you know, the attack on Diagon Alley, and as a result of all these new plot points, you're going to see the current world shift sharply in the direction that his other life shifted. He'll be like the guy who handcuffs himself to the tree they're about to knock down, and Harry will have to... Save the world. A, I have a Babylon 5 analogy here. He's Go like the it. Great Council. He stands between the candle and the star, the darkness and the light. Yes, he's like Delenn when she tries to break the stick, but they have to do a second take of it because she can't really break the stick because it's a really thick stick. Like, it's one of those <laughs> things. It's like Best Truman trying to whack the boat with his own glass cut and all that crap. So it's it's like one of those things. So... That was what I kind of felt. I felt like, okay, now we're going to try out for the Quidditch team. And then we go there for a chapter. And then we come back, and Harry's in a really nice hospital room for a chapter. And then it's the platoon that comes to Hogwarts. And I didn't really feel like I knew where it was progressing. And I'm waiting for that plot point. 
too much going on that doesn't get resolved. Like, I think it's okay to have smaller story arcs. In the overall arc, for example, you've got, or Harry's year at Hogwarts is your overall arc, but you've got to resolve them. You can't have them all keep going. It's like if something happens, it needs to have a resolution. And to me, him going out to try out for the Wales team at the beginning of the year, and then it just drags that on for the whole year. And it doesn't make any sense because it's with it's outside of Hogwarts, and there's just too much that comes in from outside. And it's like, oh, this now there's like some wedding invitation, and Petunia comes to Hogwarts, but it, it doesn't actually mean anything in the sketch. Like she's not part of the major plot point. It's like on yeah. the side. There's all these plot points on the side that don't finish, and we don't move into the next one, and they just drag out through the whole thing, and I can't keep track of them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I absolutely agree with that. I think Harry trying out for Wales didn't belong in seventh point? year. It belonged it, in a post-Hogwarts it, fic. And if that was integral to the plot, it shouldn't mean something. That nothing happens in it. It doesn't become part of anything. Because if Harry's at Hogwarts, then most of what happens should be there should relate in some way, the relationships that he has. Say he's, he goes on that team because someone in that team is out to get him, then that will bring that back into Hogwarts and that makes sense. But if it's just that he gets to go off every now and then, oh, I'm going to play Quidditch now, I'm like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. I think the plot points that, that are most effective are, like I said, the, the incident with Ron and Pravati and the impact that has on yep. Ron. Um, Maggie doesn't really go anywhere. The I find meaningful um, in this story is a present for Snape. Yeah, I mean the fact. That, <laughs> I mean the fact that like I love Snape in the second story. Here he's just mellow because he's seen the other world and had like a midlife crisis, and now he's driving the Camaro around the school grounds. I mean. And because he's getting laid. Well, there's that. That's all he needed. All this time, that was it. That's all he needed. That was it. It's much like Keza in the incident with the possums. Um, I am never going to live the possum incident down. You never, no, Gen 2 will never live down the popcorn incident. But there's, this is I should give the popcorn. Maybe it would shut them up. <laughs> Show off. And with that parting comment, Ryan left the podcast and went, Went to do something else. I, I don't even know what he was doing. Might have been looking for possums. I don't know. Planning a wedding. Something. So Ron is on Prozac. I love that Ron is is on the team and they have this big, you know, match against each other and Harry's starts Which... to fall off the broom and, and Ron saves him and he's like Oh, you saved me even though you're mad at me. And then they find out that Ron's a werewolf. And Ron's like, I sent you my medical records. What do you mean you didn't know? And they're like, oh, were we supposed to read those medical records? It's like, well, yeah, because I'm a werewolf. Duh. <laughs> Ron has been using steroids, apparently, and <laughs> human growth hormone. Which chapter are you actually on? Because I'm... Um... Uh, Ron being on Prozac was in Chapter 17. Okay. I thought Prozac made you, like, more laid back. Well, he was when he went to St. Mungo's. He's feeling pretty groovy. Well, then he... Because last time I looked, Ron was, like, hornier than 13, 13-year-olds. Well, he he was, but after the incident with Parvati where it hurt her while they were having sex, um, he checked himself into St. Mungo's because he was worried about 
himself and what he could do to people and he was very depressed. He needed to talk to somebody and they put him on the magical version of Prozac. He, he's just like, takes the edge off, man. And on the same subject of Parvati getting bashed around, my notes for Chapter 17 say that Hermione is looking for ways to be a battered girlfriend to Ron. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think I must have got up to Chapter 16 because I'm, like, going all fuzzy on the details. (laughs) Okay. She does research into this shielding potion, and she's casting cushioning charms on the walls so that when he throws her against the wall, it won't hurt her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, what the heck? Well, you know, you have to give her points for being creative. The thing that I don't get right... She is horny as hell. There is no indication to me in canon that werewolves are like super strong as normal people. So is mm-hmm. that a werewolfy kind of legendary thing from just general I, I think it's a, I don't know about picking Harry up and casually holding him by one ankle, yeah. <laughs> as, as happened in, See, in the, an earlier chapter. But I, I, I don't know. The, the idea of strength, I think, goes along with the general legend of a werewolf. Because I just found it a bit hard to swallow because Remus Lupin never had any particular super strength, you know? He's a Zen master and <laughs> learned to control yeah. his emotions. I'm just talking, I'm talking about canon that there is no indication that Remus is super strong. And so what I find is that when I read a fanfic, maybe I'm particularly partial to following as much canon as possible, but I'm like, you've made this up. You've added in extra stuff. Because what I find, one of the things I really like about the Harry Potter series and what Jo did with it was she's like, okay, I'm going to get werewolf and I'm going to use elements. She doesn't take it to the extreme. So let's say the werewolf legend might have super, super human strength, but she downplays that because if you've got a world completely populated by people who all have extraordinary power and skill, I don't think it can flow particularly well because everyone's just trying to outdo each other all the time. And and you've got what happens in in this fic a little bit where it's all about, I mean, Ron becomes all about how this overpowering strength and it's always, you know, you sort of lose Ron in it a little bit. And and I like the whole canon aspect that Remus Lupin is still Remus Lupin just because he's a werewolf. He's still Remus. It's just a, a sickness that he has myth. once a month. I think you're right. I think if the issue of strength or complications, I think it would have come out in that huge monologue at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban where we get like 16 pages of Remus doing his best Ryan impersonation and just monologuing until there's absolutely <laughs> nothing left to say. Seriously, yeah. I, I'm quite familiar with that speech because I had to analyze it and incorporate it into my own writing. He goes on and on and on about everything. <laughs> Something would have popped up in the middle of that. And by the way, I uh, began to be attracted to all the mates. Oh, really? Well. So I just find sometimes when I'm reading a fanfic and they just add in too much and they make it too... Well, they um, went to Wikipedia and they looked up werewolves. Yes, said, exactly. Yeah. Like we have in you know, giants and trolls and centaurs and they're all described a little bit and you know what a centaur is. So she doesn't have to describe it, but you know, they're not super, you know, forensic just happens to be divination thing that like centaurs um, have this actually thing. that's that's actually very very true to mythological sources that i'm that's what i mean with. that's yeah. what i mean it's got enough elements but it, you don't get hit over the head with it 
Like you don't have a herd of centaurs coming out of the forest every five minutes to give them their divination answers. It's, uh, okay. it's, it's not overpowering. I gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of fanfic writers overpower you. They knock you over the head with it. Even the Selkie stuff in here. I guess I prefer it sort of like we have a whole book where she did Magical Beasts and Where to Find Them mm-hmm. and she's got original ones in there. And I think in some ways it's a lot more interesting to take one of those and expand on that rather than go, oh, here's something that already exists. So let's pick it up and take it and put it in the Harry Potter world just as it is, as a whole. I'll take the Wikipedia page and dump it in the middle of my fic. Fair enough. You know that- Although, to be honest, um, from my remembering of reading this fic, I thought a Selkie was not, in fact, a seal. I thought it was like a miniature version of the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> no, Selkies are seals in legend. Yeah, I had no idea they about that. Like seals. And that was just what I walked away with. It's like, oh, we've got Nessie attending classes at Hogwarts. Isn't that lovely? (laughs) That's why nobody could ever find her because she's in class. She's in class. <laughs> no, because Selkies come from further up north. Like, the Loch Ness is, you know, in the middle. The, I know, but somehow I missed the description of seal when I read this 20 years ago. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not a fan of grabbing a, a traditional legendary beast or whatever and plonking it in the middle of your feet. I think you have to give it your own little twist, like... Time travel, right? Let's take time travel. There's time traveling that occurs across all media. It's got a few characteristics, but I mean, like, Joe takes it and she gives it little magical twists of her own invention. Like, you have to turn the little, little, um. Time turner? Uh, yeah, the time turner, the little necklace thing. To, to make it work and the way it gets measured is put into that universe. Dumbledore doesn't hand them a DeLorean and say, here, you need it. She, she makes it fit. And although she might use some elements like Hermione's saying, Harry, we've got to hide because if the other person sees us, it's, how would how do you explain that? You know, I both disagree. Of you are it's very easy to explain it. You say you're going to go back in time in about three hours. That's how you explain it. What do you mean? If you run into your past self, the past self is going to be looking at you going, what the heck is going on? You just say, I'm you. In about three hours, you're going to travel back in time. It's yes, the but same... that's going to cause a huge brain fart and everyone's going to explode. Don't you know anything? It's the same thing that happens. <laughs> that's what happens in... in time travel if you run into yourself. That's what happens yeah, in time of good intentions. Yourself. Harry and alternate Harry are back in time in 1981 at the same point, And he says, I'm you from another lifetime and you don't want to do this and everything's fine so i don't see what the big deal is i, I take your points absolutely seriously you're, you're correct in all of them that's right i'm always right it's just not <laughs> it's not consistent with what we've been presented with in this story so speaking yes. of time neville and going back in time a few hours to do gardening work uh apparently has built up his body somewhat and Poor Neville, we always say in this. Way to go, Neville. He gets to make out with Hermione and Ginny. And from all the fantastic (laughs) descriptions of kissing so far, I bet you he is having the time of his life. Now I have the time of my life. (laughs) That's where he learned it. (laughs) (laughs) That's where he learned it. Sorry, uh, my brain well, is just not functional at the moment. I'm just you're just gonna have to ignore why? me. Why tell me to shut up? up? Well, we find out <laughs> that Narcissa Malfoy is Daisy Frunculus. Frunculus, Frunculus, whatever. Petunia leaves Hogwarts, and Harry's 
keeps sending her notes and letters and she doesn't answer. She doesn't answer. So finally he writes to Vernon to find out what's going on. And Vernon sends him back something. He's like, how would I know where she is? She left to go to see you at that stupid school. And I haven't seen her since. And nobody's here to cook my food. I thought I'd write again. Oh, well, I'm sure she was, but it's not quite the same. Yeah, no. And it's definitely not in Vernon's character to admit that things aren't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, Vernon has not been having a good time of things lately. His wife has been spending all of her time paying attention to the dog. He lost his son. He doesn't really get the attention from Petunia that he used to, and I don't even want to speculate on what level that was, but I think we can say... Oh, that just is creepy. Sorry, should I have been more delicate? Yeah, well, whatever that level (laughs) is... Oh, now I've got images of, like, big fat people having sex. She's not fat. She's skinny. But uh, that's even worse. He would just if, swallow her up, you know. Like, where is Petunia? You Petunia's, see, that was just terrible. Petunia's on top. Oh. <laughs> Petunia's a top that, girl. Now the image is in my brain. Would you like some brain bleach? whatever level of intimacy they were sharing previously which i can't imagine was all that great after they lost dudley Dudley. and she she got us you know sleeping with the dog and then she started sleeping with the dog vernon has just not had a very good time of it i don't think we can really hold it against him that he's very short with harry oh no not at all i agree with you Totally. But I just thought it was funny. Harry's like, well, I hate you, so whatever. (laughs) And he doesn't pay any more attention to it. Oh, well, these things happen. He Uh, does try to find Aunt Petunia, if I remember correctly. He does. And as it turns out, she's with Rodney Jeffries, and she's become his secretary or whatnot. The go-to gal. The go-to gal. It was very interesting that she becomes his personal secretary and arranges all sorts of fantastic things for him, and he probably can't live without her, and they probably have a lot of touching moments that would make us all nauseous to actually read. (laughs) So let's just keep going. Here's a question. Do you think that is at all plausible? Because this happens in more than one fic. Aunt Petunia becomes at ease with the magical world. I just don't find it plausible like they are so anti the the leap to get her to hogwarts and then have her cozy up to people and you know like i've seen her in fix where she marries snape and all this kind of stuff i just i just don't i can't buy it she hates the magical world so much we did discuss this a little bit it was at the beginning of last week part of it might be that she is now magical herself Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, I don't buy that either. Like, how does someone be like they suddenly become magical? Well, she's got to be like forty something. It's like uh-huh. she had you know, Harry had been being magical since he was born, and she, she, it doesn't just happen like that. What? She, I can't even. I, I can't even formulate a sentence. I'm like, I just, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Well, what was raised as the probable justification for it was jealousy. She was jealous of Lily for being special and getting all of her parents' attention about it. And she wanted it for herself. And that was what made her so bitter and 
upset at Harry with his magicalness that she saw at every turn. She was just constantly being reminded that she hadn't been given this gift. Now she has it. I love Petunia, actually, when you see her after coming to when Hogwarts. Or even just when she's doing all the magic right in after the house with the dishes. The is it just, la, 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 and the neighbor is staring. Oh. Harry is like brainwashing the neighbor. Oh, no, really? You didn't to see that. You must be dreaming. I'm like, she's These not that These are the stupid. droids you're looking for. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. We talked about that last week, and I actually found where that conversation came from. Mike asked me, <laughs> do you think Petunia is like she is because no one likes her, or does no one like her because she is the way she is? Mike okay. asked that? That's a I, Mike question. That's a pretty good Mike question. People go uh, on a lot about that kind of thing, and I'm just like, you know what? Sometimes you have a character, and they're just a nasty character because they're nasty. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there needs to be any deep-seated psychological reason. I mean, when you look at stereotypes in children's literature, they exist and they exist for a reason. Stop characters. Aunt Petunia is a stop character. She is your wicked stepmother. So mm-hmm. for me, when a fanfic changes that too much, I'm like, you're ruining the story because she's supposed to be the evil stepmother. That's who she is in the story. So for me, to then redeem Aunt Petunia, she's not the type of, character that should be redeemed for me i find that hard to swallow even if you can rationalize it and justify it she's not the character you do it to because that's not the right character for me to do that to you don't redeem uncle vernon you don't redeem aunt petunia you don't redeem voldemort how about dudley you can redeem dudley dudley i can deal with you can redeem snape snape will work for me you don't need to redeem snape snape was a good guy not to harry you don't need to redeem well, you think about Snape. It, no, you do. From Harry's perspective. If <laughs> you right. take Snape from Harry's perspective, he needs redeeming, and J.K.R. does do that. He does get redeemed in Harry's eye. Although, you know, I wish Melinda was here because she would back me up that Snape's just not a good man. Anyway, but well, you you're not going to get that from me. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I trailed off. So to me, you don't make Albus Dumbledore the bad guy because he's the good guy. There are certain things that have to stay or it's not plausible. Mm-hmm. So Ampetunia, being magical, going all to right, Hogwarts, going accepting all that stuff doesn't work. Oh, great. He's going on mute and I'll run him off because <laughs> no one wants to talk anymore. Because I'm like, you can't redeem Aunt Petunia. But I don't think but that just, they're actually redeeming Aunt Petunia in this. I mean, she's still Aunt Petunia. She's just got this magic thing now. She's supposed to hate all magic and Harry and everything to do with Harry and everything to do with magic. She's not supposed to embrace, embrace it. it. It doesn't work for me. I kind of can see the jealousy aspect because it does say, we, we checked in this, that it does say it. that she sent a letter to Albus saying, she wants I want to go. go. Hogwarts, and oh, I absolutely no. believe that. And if you take a fic and write it from that moment and change Petunia there, 
I don't have a problem with it. What I have a problem with is you take it when Harry's 16 and has already been through all the crap and opportunity is already established as the evil stepmother stock character and you change her after that. It doesn't work for me. I believe and I can accept that she was jealous and if you had changed her back then, that works for me. Like you have to do a Marauder era fic and change her then. Yeah, so you can. I saw a summary. I don't think I read the fic of Aunt Petunia didn't be mean to Harry, basically. Yeah, I've seen those. I haven't really read them. The other problem with that that I find is, okay, well, that's a nice story, but to me, it re- well, <laughs> what's that? Sue dropped her microphone. That, really, I'm sorry. To the me, that is on the table behind the computer, <laughs> computer, and I was trying to see what he was up to. Sorry. That removes Harry's character because Harry is who he is because of his upbringing that he's had. Although I did read this really funny one recently where there's that was like, what if Harry's magic, you know, how they tried to beat Harry's magic out of him and squish it out of him. What if they really had succeeded and they've done what? a brief run through canon with Harry being really bad at magic? And it's just a takeoff story. They were just, you know, mocking it basically. Crap. And so he gets whole words. You can... Yeah, it's crack fic. And he can barely, like, levitate his, his um, feather and stuff. And so he uses a lot of ingenious ways to get around all the things that still happen. Like, he's still in the Triwizard Tournament and he's still, you know. But he can't do all the powerful magic that he can do in canon. And it's actually, it's actually quite a funny take on what happens if Harry is practically a squib. And he takes That's... the quick spell course and he makes best friends with Filch. I must read this. Please dig it up. I'll have to find you the link. It's actually really quite well done. If it can be well done like that, you can get a laugh out of it. But I find too many people, they don't take care of all the the things that they need to change if they're going to change one aspect. They don't do the knock-on effect where if you change one thing, you actually have to change a whole bunch of things because otherwise it's not logical anymore. And I yeah. find that a little bit with Barb's fic. Getting back on to the fic that we're talking about, I find that some of it's not logical. The changes that occur and the petunia doesn't work for me. Fair That's, enough. I'm just going to shut up. You, you're mentioning short crack fics. I just wanted to throw out The Inner Eye of Harry Potter by Jay Byrne. What if Harry had been raised by his Auntie Sybil? <laughs> it is hilarious. It's a riot. I posted a rec to it on the forums. Go read it. You'll die. I actually had a question for Ryan here about Chapter 18. There's tons of boring political talk, and I wonder what he thought of it. I wanted to know if he was riveted by it the same way that some people are riveted by good Quidditch scenes. I was talking to Ryan earlier, and I'm like, yes, and I've done this assignment. I'm going to pass it in, and um, yeah, I've learned all about neoliberalism because, you know, me, I wrote about politics. And Ryan's like, I've never heard that phrase. And I'm like, you're the political science geek. You don't know what neoliberalism is. So I tell him what I think neoliberalism is, and then I'm like, I could be wrong. Because <laughs> he comes up with, is it this? I'm like, actually, I think it's the opposite. And we're both admitting, well, we could be wrong. And it's just the most surreal conversation I've ever had with Ryan. I'm like, here's a political term. And he's like, hmm, I've not met you before. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the world turned on its axis. I couldn't cope. Yeah, chapter 18, yes, very good. What else happens in chapter 18? <laughs> um, we learn Sorry. tons of backstory about Roger and Alicia and Floor and more backstory stuff that I don't care about. I thought that 
was a bit out of nowhere. Alicia's marrying Roger Davies, isn't it? Yes. I saw this part kind of coming. They got married out of the blue, and her father was a political figure. So I could see that it was coming, that they were going to be trying to get him into office so that they could manipulate him in some way. I didn't see that they were going to use him as a murderer and set him up that way, but could tell that it was coming. Well, it and didn't then, make much sense to me because he's going to be a junior MP. Right. They don't have a lot of power. So it, it really seemed more like they should be trying to get influence on someone higher up unless they're going to use that minor position to get Roger into the House of Lords and Roger's going to start casting imperious curses. See, I don't get it because it's political and the only thing I know about politics is neoliberalism. means that you think that people should pull themselves up by their own damn bootstraps and you don't give them nothing because they owe you get what you deserve. <laughs> And I could be wrong. <laughs> That's conservatism, dear. Oh, well, I don't know. You, know, you, know, you <laughs> called it neoliberalism. And I don't know what it means, but they said that that's what we do here in the lucky country of Australia. So, I don't know. But go through this with me. Roger Davies has to marry Alicia Spinnett. Mm-hmm. And they want many people to be in their wedding party and they pair them all up with their ex-girlfriends and boyfriends. It's the sort of thing that would happen in a real wedding. You're paired up with all the wrong people. Well, see, but for me, I said, oh, I want her to be my bridesmaid. Oh, we need an extra groomsman. We'll just ask her fiancé. You know, I was kind and nice. But, okay, let me get this straight. George is going out with Angelina, who is Fred's ex. That's a spooky as the you can't put someone in Azkaban for killing someone with Expelliarmus. <laughs> it's like, do 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 Okay, so they're going to get married in the whole bridesmaid kerfuffle, blah, blah, blah. And Harry, who is thinking he would like to get with Ginny, goes off and has an affair with the Selkie. But Fleur turns up at the wedding, but she's actually pregnant with... She's pregnant and she's pissed. child. And she... Yes. Eviscerates herself, does she not? Yes. Well, she the right fit. She <laughs> yes. turns into the big bird thing. When did that happen? Did that happen in the chapters that we were supposed to read tonight that I didn't get to? That no, happened that in happened the chapters last we week. read last week. It was the okay, end of nine, beginning of ten. So that was a different wedding. Whose wedding was that? That was Roger and Alicia's. married person marries Katie. See, this is what I mean. There's too many people getting married and there's too many boats. I completely forgot about Percy and Katie. Did they get married in this? It's in in my notes. It's like Percy and Katie, Sirius and Alicia, Snape and Maggie. I just started pairing people up. The Death Eaters are somewhere and Percy's with the Death Eaters and they go rescue them and Sam and they get married on a boat. And why? Why bother marrying Percy off? What was the point of that? And what's that got because to do with Because Percy deserves love. There were yeah. so oh, many. There were so many post Goblet of Fire fix that wanted to pillory Percy simply for the fact that he sent Ron a letter advising him to not have anything to do with it. He, there were plenty of people anyway. They do. I've read plenty of fix where he's Percy. really a death eater. Yeah, they, just, they make Percy just evil and bad and wrong. Percy's not that bad. A lot of people tend to make him very one-dimensional. When you look at Percy as a character, he's a very 
up straight, upstanding young man who is very particular, very pedantic about how things are. He sees a very clear way of right and wrong. He likes to conform to the establishment. He likes to do the right thing and be seen doing the right thing. He's very ambitious. There's a lot more to Percy. It doesn't make him a death eater. And I actually get really frustrated when they go, you know, because Percy writes a letter to Ron and says, look, you know, being friends with Harry isn't going to get you very far with the ministry and with the people who have the political... So anyway, would you care to respond to her point? I agree that Percy did what he thought was right. It was an unfortunate for us that he chose to go against his family and to go with the ministry and what he was doing. But I don't see him as a villain and I don't see him as, who's laughing? As um, as a death eater because of that. I mean, he it was a choice that he made. Choice we didn't necessarily agree with. It doesn't, doesn't make him, make him a death eater. You have to take Percy's whole character. If you still make him a stuck-up bastard with a poker up his butt, that's fine because maybe that's who he is, but doesn't make him an evil death eater. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just can't see him marrying Katie Bell, though. I just don't know. I didn't. I can't. No, nah, I can't. Well, see well Percy in this also signs up to be an aura. Yeah, I don't see that either. <laughs> Percy's not that he doesn't strike me as the athletic sort. No, yeah. <laughs> not really. He, he seems bookish. He seems nerdy. Yes. If I he mean, wears he wears glasses. glasses. You know, okay, what are you so say? All nerds wear glasses. We apologize everywhere to all nerds. Hey, I wear glasses. <laughs> that doesn't fly because I mean, Harry wears glasses, and you know what? I love it because J.K. Rowling said that she wanted a hero to have glasses because, you know, they never get to be the hero because, you know, and I'm like, yes, I like you because <laughs> yeah. I have glasses. And that's why I don't like when fixed Harry, his eyesight back. I'm like, no, glasses, leave him with the glasses. I like that. like mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, someone else talk because I've no idea what I'm saying anymore. Weasley's Wizarding Weezes products are all, all weapons. They make new weapons and war-related items for ors and operatives. Yeah, Isn't that what the- they all are? <laughs> Missed it by that much. Both Quidditch games that he is in, there are, or he wasn't even in it, he was just a spectator in the second one, there's rogue bludgers that are after him. They're, they're just after him everywhere. Every time he goes out on a Quidditch field now, the rogue bludger seems to be after him. And in the second one where the, he's just the spectator, it's trying to get to him, it's trying to get to him, and finally, it, was it Percy? Hands him a, a wheeze product and says, chew this and swallow it. And he's like, okay, just let it hit you. And he's like, what are you, nuts? And they're like, no, really, try this. And he does. And, of course, you know, whatever it is that they've given him has made him invincible and the bludger doesn't hurt him. And they all adjourn to the restrooms because, you know, that's where you have all of your good meetings. A restroom would be a really good place to apparate out of and harder for wizards to find good apparition points because of security cameras and so forth. Oh, I liked that. I thought that was awesome. It was yes. logical and well thought and logic, out. logic, any was. thoughts on the disappearance of the dragons? And apparently well, the handlers have been killed. I liked that Ron went in with them and then, come. you know, when they finally come back out and Harry's like, are you okay, man? Do you need to throw up? And, and he's like, oh, I already did that several times. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that big, tough 
werewolf. Yeah. You know that they're going to show up sometime later. You oh, just don't of course. Know exactly what they're, what they're going to do with them. They're going to be do, taking classes at Hogwarts. Oh, I just thought the they were going to be taking classes in the... Yes, the, uh, well, they're, they're going to all magically transform into students. They're going to do the homo dragon transformation. They're going to turn into first year students and they're going to all be sorted into Slytherin and Hufflepuff. Dragons okay. are? Yes. You've that's completely that. lost <laughs> On behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. Well, the dragons disappear in chapter, at the end of chapter 19 and the beginning of 20. All the dragons yeah. disappear. I'm staking out my theory for where I think they went. Yes. I understand like, now. I think you've gone over to the bad place. Pansy the that really out. messes up after the end, because if all the dragons are gone, how are they going to do that? <laughs> but, but they're only gone from this particular reserve, is that right? Preserve, possibly. Preserve? Dragon I, preserve, yeah. Uh, that's I don't what know. happened. They all got preserved. Someone came along and preserved them. And preserved them? That's why and, they're gone. In so, canning jars? They're all in canning jars yes. now. In the jars with the little clippy lids on, they put them in the big boiling pot. They preserved them, because if they don't, they're going to be endangered like the possums. There we are, full circle. We can finish the podcast. The possums that sound like elephants thumping through my roof. The same elephants that would be using the MRI equipment at the zoo where they take the fat people. (laughs) I may not have a handle on this part of the fic except for the fact that I think Aunt Petunia's magicalness is rubbish, but I can bring a podcast full circle right back to where we started. We've found a, a new piece with this Felice, I think that's her name, the one that Draco was shagging in the maze. Felice Hardington Smythe. That's right. I messed that up big time last time I tried to say it. No wonder I couldn't even <laughs> try this time. Felice Harrington Smythe. Harrington Smythe. Felice Harrington Smut. Is that what you said, Kessa? I said Smythe. Felice Harrington Smut. <laughs> Well, you well, know, if it he makes was shagging sense. her, then maybe she is Felice Harrington smart. They well, were making smart. I, bet, I wonder if Draco had a video camera. He just right. wants. <laughs> We find out that they were in the house in the bedroom and she left to go get dressed or something. He couldn't figure out why. And so being bored and alone, he decided to sneak and around. And, and, being no, bored, alone, and evil. <laughs> I was <laughs> not thinking evil. Bored and alone, he decided to look around and he found wizarding pictures underneath the bed. But he didn't think to tell anybody about it. He just said, hmm, that's weird, and went on his way. She probably Draco, showed up about then, and, and you know, his yeah, mind well, was distracted. Otherwise occupied. Well, Draco doesn't seem to have a thought process like Harry, so it probably never crossed his mind again. He never saw something that reminded him of it. Well, now, now he knows, and so this pieces in with Angelina's... There's too many A characters. There's Alicia and Angelina, and, and I get all confused. But who anyhow, with there? the one whose father is in prison now for murder, it pieces back to that. What other A characters are there, just for my curiosity yeah. here? There's horrors and there's something Angelina. else. That's probably it. Know. But I was I was confused. <laughs> Don't pick on me. Come on. <laughs> 
Fleur has her baby, Alicia gets it, and they give it an A name. See, there's another one. And then there's Aberforth. There's A names. <laughs> How can you confuse Aberforth, Dumbledore, Annie, and Alicia Annie, Spinnet? And Annie. Annie. See, there's another Annie. one. I don't we know. Met Annie yet, but I still want to know how you confuse Aberforth Dumbledore. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't actually. I just happened to look down, and Aberforth's name was on the page, and I was like, "Oh, another A word! Yay!" <laughs> Arnie. That's the baby's name. Arnie. Could they just Arnie, call him Arnold? Arnie Fitzdavies. What the hell sort of name is that? Because. The father's name is Davies. So where does the Fitz come from? Maybe it's like some special kind of, you know, like Gaelic thing people do because he's a son of or something. I don't know. <laughs> so look, there's headlines. We can piece this together. Oh, Death really? Eaters surrender to werewolf. Gringotts siege ends peacefully. Yay, Remus. Remus did it. I think Remus is too much of a pacifist to have done this. I think it was Ron. Are we guessing what's happened in the story at this point? Yes. Yes, we are. The photograph on the front page showed Remus Lupin waving his wand, shackled two Death Eaters. Score one for the werewolves, Seamus wrote. Oh, wait a minute. We have to go back because this just made me giggle. I'm sorry. Yes, me uh, too. They take apparition lessons. Um, I believe Sirius has been teaching them. They go to have their apparition test, and Seamus does everything fine, except he doesn't have his clothes on when he gets there. And when he comes back, <laughs> it happens again. What on earth are you wearing? You look like a common prostitute. He can't pass because he can't be showing up naked everywhere he goes. It's just Yes. It, well, I'm surprised <laughs> that the government official, being very British, did not just ignore that and give him full marks anyway. Because <laughs> it just seems like the sort of thing you wouldn't talk about. Your little problem gave you some big brassy balls. Mike Where is this headline of which you speak? I can't see a headline. Um, it's at the bottom of chapter 20. Death Eaters Surrender to Werewolf. Oh, this is where they make up, isn't it? She leaned her mm-hmm. head on his shoulder. Yeah, they've made up. You'll all be happy to know Harry Junior Shippers. Woo-hoo. There was kissing, nipping, and sucking going on, and I, I had to keep yeah, going. Yeah, let's just, yeah, keep going. And then she had to, you're not ready to forgive me. What I saw you with, Mariah. She's a Selkie, so apparently Selkies put you under the Imperius and make you have sex. Yes, yes that's exactly what happens. And there is kissing and sliding hands, and the Sandy says a prophecy. Still looking for the headline. <laughs> Percy and well, Katie are being all lovey-dovey. Neville's yeah. being un- Neville-like. Hey, why don't you leave Neville Longbottom alone, huh? Oh, I was on Chapter 18, Boxing Day, Chapter 19. They gave so, boxes. That's what happened on Boxing Day. Someone's <laughs> kissing again. Well, Who's kissing? Draco uh, Malfoy well, made him remember that he was in the kitchen with Neville. You know, if you didn't read the rest of it, you could think that Draco was kissing Neville in the kitchen. I think you've gone over to the bad place. Let's not go there. Why? That yeah, would be yeah. delightful. <laughs> Charlie is friends with the Romanian seeker in Chapter 19. He's got hey. no job anymore because all the dragons have disappeared. We were talking about all the magical people that she's brought in, so now she's brought in the vampire, Dimitri. Oh, he's from Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) The vampire in Twilight called Dimitri. Have you ever read any Twilight fan fiction? Just as an aside note, off topic. I have not. Somebody sent me a bunch from my sister-in-law, but I have not read it. The absolutely hilarious thing that I find with Twilight fan fiction, right, is that there is 
Stephanie Meyer made up a bunch of characters. She is just talking of lists. She has a list of characters of all the people that she's put in, all the vampires. So when people write a Twilight fan fiction, what they will do is they will take the names of the characters and they will give them to their characters. No one is ever in character in a Twilight fan fiction, especially if they change them all human, so no one is a vampire, but they will use every last little name that they can. So you'll be trundling along in the fic and Edward is doing, you know, he's a lawyer and Bella is his new secretary and they're, you know, struggling not to be attracted to one another because they have a working relationship. And, you know, Emmett is his brother and all these characters, all the, and then you've got random people, they'll go past and they'll be like... Jane, who's a vampire in the thing, she'll be the barista at the local coffee shop. And then they'll need to call the doctor because Edward's got a deadly disease and his doctor will be surgeon, Mr. Aro. Now, Aro is like the king of the vampires, you know, and that will be the name of his surgeon. And then he'll have a chauffeur because he's a rich lawyer and they'll call the chauffeur Dimitri. And then Bella will need a bodyguard and they'll name it Sam. He's one of the guys from the Indian reservation, you know. They so just basically... all these names and assign them to random people and they just pop up randomly in the fic. <laughs> what you're saying is that every Twilight fic is an alternate reality, not alternate Twilight universe, fic. alternate reality. They're Harlequin romances, seriously. <laughs> but they never use any other names. They just grab the name, like Dimitri, and they'll just give it to the chauffeur. They don't try and make the chauffeur like the Dimitri oh, character. Oh, they don't try and give him Tessa, any characteristics. Yes. let me interrupt you for just a moment. All right. I'm sitting three feet from my porch door i'm hearing a possum no it's a skunk <laughs> it's a very large skunk eating off the cat dishes right outside my door the possums nice. do that to our cat food <laughs> yes but this is a skunk it's a big one too <laughs> i think you got me beat on this one sue i really do but i would just like to say the other night i had three raccoons digging through the recycles bin but i do think i'm going to close and latch the door here before he decides to come in that's the, probably a good idea you could name the skunk Dimitri. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> oh, that was this one fic I read. Okay, this is right. Just before we go back to the fic, this Twilight one I was reading, I'm like, yeah, I'll give this one a go. And the author was writing Edward was on a homestead. In, okay. in back in a homestead, like building up the far west, you know, back 1800s, right? So he's all alone. She writes this author's note. I didn't know how to incorporate all his family members, you know, like his vampire family, like Alice and Jasper and Rose and Emmett. So she gives those names to the cows and the horses. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then you get, I'm like skimming through this fic thinking, this is hilarious. You get to it. And what she does is the cow called Rose has a calf. And you see that thing happen. Oh, isn't it wonderful in the calf? Blah, blah, blah. And then there is a point of view chapter from the cows. <laughs> so Emma and Rose are the cows and they're pregnant. For people who haven't read Twilight, they're a couple and she goes Rose goes into labour, so they put Emmett in the other pen. And so in the cow point of view chapter, Emmett is distressed at being separated from his family when they need him. <laughs> See what I mean? They lived happily ever after, and that children concludes our fairy tale. So there's a vampire in um the triangle prophecy called Dimitri. And skunks outside my door. And we've jumped. Yes. I I think we all jumped quite a while ago. Jumped off the boat. In the next chapter, there's a boat coming. I know it. Well, Percy gets married. Dragons are very sexy, you know. (laughs) 
Draco's saying, you can bet that all the bachelor dragons have calendars hanging in their lairs with the best-looking she-dragons in provocative poses. <laughs> That's Harry and Draco bonding, by the way. I find that not as hard to deal with, actually. As long as it's been done correctly, I can see Harry and Draco being friends. Not often have I seen it done correctly. Let's put it that way. Um, Petunia, you can't train bite my tongue. Why do people keep setting me up to talk about my own story? (laughs) Yeah, I know you wrote the story where Draco and Harry were friends and I didn't I I didn't say you did a bad job of it. I'm just saying sometimes people don't do it very well. You know very well that I did and you're not saying anything right to my face. It's like, oh well, present company knows how to do it very well, but present company excluded. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, it's just like a bloodbath in here today. You know what the word I love? Wanker. Shut up, wanker, Harry said, trying to be harsher. I think he's calling Draco a wanker. That's a great word. I love that word. Not quite as harsh as arsehole, so you know, it works for me. What a wank. Vila's little sister. Oh, Fleur gives up the baby. Fleur's obviously distraught and won't feed the baby. Alicia takes the baby. Lovely baby. Roger, oh. feeding the baby. Neville, padlock. See, if you just scroll it, here down we go. and it's, read it's random It's toward the end of Chapter 20. Death yeah. Eaters Someone's surrender ticklish. to werewolf. Someone's ticklish. Someone's cook- cooking. Someone's bitten someone. See, Dimitri, vampire, bit someone. You Shame really have the, to read okay, the whole... Okay, uh, under this headline, the photograph on the front here, page here shows Remus Lupin waving his wand to shout tackle two Death Eaters. Are you telling me that two Death Eaters held Gringotts all this time? (laughs) (laughs) These orders really are not that competent. That's just the two who are willing to pose for the Daily Prophet. (laughs) Oh, you're right, you're right. The the others wouldn't (laughs) sign release statements. Yeah, they wouldn't sign. (laughs) The Gringotts siege is over. Is it also over now between Ginny and Draco, finally? Yes. Yes, pretty much. Well, she staged the breakup with Harry and Draco and everybody and then started seeing Neville. She's mad at Harry for a while and then she tells him that it was all just this big ruse and it was all Mariah's idea. And she Mariah's idea. Him in the Hagrid's hut, but Draco sees him and he leaves her to go chase after Draco. So there's something wrong there. There's quite a lot (laughs) wrong there. It's yet more angst for Harry and Ginny to work through because there's a lot of words that need to be written between here and the end of the story. I have a question, something that I've obviously missed because I miss things a lot. Okay, Harry and Ginny do licking and sucking and stuff, and then they, oh, we need to stop. Why do they need to stop? What have I missed? I cannot recall why they need to stop. They keep doing that, being very careful. Why are they not allowed to go all the way? Because Harry's into safe sex, you know. Well, why doesn't he just go buy some condom? Brilliant! Well, he's waiting for her to go and get the, uh, the prophylactic potion. Oh, fine. It's all her job, is it? Yes, yeah. it's all her job. Harry is a sexist. He can't take a cue that. from Ron in the other world, because Ron in the other world, when Alicia had some stuff from a muggle chemist. But even then, it's her responsibility. Look at that. It seems like it's more like they can't do it, because something bad will happen. Not just that they don't have contraception or something. Wouldn't they go and get some? I'm a bit confused by that. I can't remember. My general impression, at least as far as to where I read, was that they they were trying and willing and all that, but they kept getting interrupted. No, in this one, they put their own brakes on it at the end of Chapter 20. And I'm just like, why? Why break it? Why not just go for it? Just have the animal possum sex. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> Nobody laughed. 
I was trying to not die laughing. <laughs> it's because I've got this whole other conversation going with Wolfie about the possum sex. And oh, God. <laughs> I've got Kelly who says that she's going to bed and that I said, well, Ryan left. She asked who's podcasting. I told her. I said, Ryan left. She said he went to bed. She said she was going to bed. Then she said, Ryan and I aren't in the same bed, just in case you're wondering if we're a couple. And I said, you're going to have to fight off Keza first. And so I'm sorry. I was a little distracted. Are <laughs> you IMing she- during a podcast? Not me. No, not at all. <laughs> Dumbledore looked up at them from his bed. Harry drew in his breath. The blue eyes were flat without a twinkle to be seen. He wasn't wearing his half-moon spectacles. Harry wondered why, for only a second. One look at Aberforth's face, and he found the familiar eyeglasses. Evidently, Dumbledore didn't have an extra pair. How the hell would Harry know that? (laughs) Why do they just assume they're the same glasses? (laughs) I wear glasses. I have two pairs, okay? I don't (laughs) need two pairs, though. (laughs) <laughs> it's just uh, Harry doesn't have a spare pair that's why true right. true enough but, Junior, the wicked evil stepmother won't give him an extra pair and he's held together with sticky tape and band-aids no no Hermione fixed them Oculus Reparo Oculus Reparo <laughs> you have such a terrible English accent there that's awful I wasn't Oculus actually I, I wasn't actually trying to do a real British accent I, I've fooled native Britons with my British accent. Okay, do it for me now. Say something. No, because there's too much pressure. You ruin the moment. You utter, utter wimp. That is so wimpy. I do not believe how wimpy you are. So Professor McGonagall appears to be having a difficult time not exploding. Albus, I must protest, she said, her voice shaking. (laughs) No one is to know. know. But But they do know. They do know, Minerva. The cat's out of the bag. Cat's out of the bag. Heaven, hell, and limbo are all real places. And I like Hermione here. Hermione was looking rather impatient, her hands on her hips. Speaking of waiting, wait a minute. You're telling me that heaven, hell, and limbo are real places? They exist in a solid way? So that if you just had proper directions, you could take a trip there? Run, (laughs) run, laughs. Well, that puts a new spin on the expression, the road to hell. I bet if there is a road to hell, that Harry will give us full directions. (laughs) I'm sure he will. You just Google it. (laughs) You get on the M1. (laughs) Valhalla exists. Mount Olympus exists. I thought Valhalla was the same as... Oh, no, I've forgotten what Valhalla is. Valhalla is Norse. Norse legend, I know. But, like, they all have equivalents in all the different mythologies. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the Norse heaven. Like, Hades is hell. Same thing. You know, then there's underworld place in um, someone else's mythology. It's the underworld. Valhalla also has specified concepts to Norse mythology. There's a lot of similarities between what you were just saying, the underworld and Hades and hell and all yeah. of that. And, and the Klingons have one as well, and I can't remember what it's called. I'll text Ryan. 
And I find it's interesting oh, that Dumbledore says you don't necessarily need to believe in limbo to send somebody there. That's just, weird. I think that you would I, have if, to believe in the place to send them there. Exactly, because if you don't believe in it, how do you rationalize where they went? Does that mean you can give it another name? I don't understand how that can work. I don't see how you can do that. You have to be able to believe in it in order for it to work. I mean, that just... It just it seems doesn't like make it, any sense. it sets up a fatal logic loop that can only end in your brain Unless, exploding. Okay, let's look at it this way. Limbo is this place, but I'm presuming it's a place you don't want to be. It's a bad place. You don't want it's to end up in limbo, right? Basically a waiting so, room, I believe. Let's say that that is an actual place. It exists as much as the chair that I'm sitting on. It's there. How does anyone send anyone to limbo anyway? Like, like you don't send someone to a place that you don't know where it is or that it exists. Or you, you know what I mean? Like, how can you? Okay, say limbo exists, like, and it's a real place, and people have been there, but they can't come back from there, obviously. So we can't know it's real. So it's like this whole paradox. And now my brain's going to explode, just like you said. I've come to this little logic. What you're talking about? I'm thinking about it. Maybe you don't actually send the person to limbo if you don't believe in it maybe you send them to like the dmv and they just end up in limbo that's as close of an approximation as you could get and i think you could curse them so that their number would never come up let's say limbo exists and you get there when someone says go to hell okay just for argument's sake there's a place called limbo you say go to hell to someone and it sends them to limbo right you don't have to believe in limbo in order to send them there all you have to do is say go to hell and they're there so, that, you know what I mean? Like, there's that aspect of it. But if limbo is a metaphorical place, you have to believe in it to send them there because otherwise they won't go there. Right. You it's wouldn't true. try and send them there because you don't believe that it exists. You don't think it's a place that you can send them. Whereas if you believe in it, you go, oh, I would like you to go to limbo. I am therefore going to do all the things that my brain tells me that how to get into limbo to you and send you there. And then whether or not they get there is irrelevant because you believe that you've sent them there because metaphorically it exists. Now I've confused you, haven't I? I know what I mean. I'm deep. Oh, no, it's great. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> one could deny an existence of limbo because you can you say you know. don't believe in limbo as a metaphysical concept, but you know yeah. what limbo is like in your life, like when you're waiting to get your yeah. income tax back, that's yeah. a sort of limbo. You understand the concept. That's a so concept. I, right. You might try and argue it, but I think all of us believe in some form of limbo. Yeah, but as a place, I mean, you know, like but yeah. you can't yeah. send yeah. someone to a place unless you believe that it exists because otherwise yeah. you're not thinking about the place. Well, it's not yeah. even yeah. really a place, is it? It's somewhere between places. Mm-hmm. But you still have, like, you have still have to, think to be there. You know, like, so if you want to send someone to the DMV, you have to believe that the DMV actually exists. Otherwise, why would you send them there? So if so you want to send someone to limbo, you have to believe it exists. Otherwise, why would you send them there? Whether mm-hmm. limbo is real or not, you have to believe that it exists. You might not be able to send someone to limbo. Like, for me, right, hell to me is your state of mind, not a place. So maybe limbo is your state of mind. So Maybe. you can't send anyone there because it in, exists in your mind. So you can go there, but another person can't send you there because it exists in your mind, not theirs. See? <laughs> <laughs> Dumbledore's been sending happy good thoughts to Voldemort, and that's how he's 
beating him down because you know Voldemort, Voldemort can't like, stand happy thoughts. Happy Voldemort is stuff. evil. He's evil. So we're sending. Are him you going to argue the point that Voldemort's evil? Me? Yeah. Wouldn't dream of it. Good. <laughs> Wouldn't dream of it. Because if I said to you the following statement. Draco oh is evil. Snape is evil. Snape is what not is evil. evil. Snape is the unsung hero of the light. All Slytherins but, are evil. But Draco? No, Draco... Is <laughs> Draco can be defined as an evil sort of guy. And I don't even try and deny that in my own writing. He's an evil little snot. But he's getting better. This understood little soul who looks good in leather. Come on. He's getting better. And no, he's not wearing leather. And even if he was, oh, he's only Did 13. you put him in leather? Wait a minute. That was Harry. No, I don't, oh, that was Harry. I'm just bringing up I, all the Drake stereotypes. For those of you wondering, the fic in question is called They Shook Hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got it. Finally! <laughs> Does limbo exist in your fic? <laughs> Can you send someone to limbo in They Shook Hands by Jethro? Not yet, but it's coming. He's going to have to write it in now. Oh Don't my you? goodness. How do I work Day this two, in? Day five, The Order of Limbo. <laughs> the cannon back in. How about that? <laughs> I, have <laughs> I have to actually go and collect my husband from the airport where he, he has been in Sydney all week. So I'm going to have to um, cut Ryan off, I'm afraid. I'm thinking that we should just pick up in this chapter next yeah, week. Yeah, I think that we should pick it up because there is much to discuss with the Percy Katie wedding on the boat. And I think yes, we need to do boat. justice. No, we I think we should have... just skip all mention of the boats in next week's <laughs> Well, I say we consign the chapters on the boat to Limbo and pick up next week where we ought to. <laughs> oh, Here's no, how we'll finish the off boat. this podcast this evening. Basically, Percy and Katie get married on the boat, and that's all we're going to say about that. And we'll see you next week, chapter 24, to is there an epilogue to this one? I, I think so. Probably. Yes, we're in next week when the world will return to its axis. Mr. Kessler will be back. Hopefully the possums will stop sexing in my roof. The skunk will be gone from Sue's house. Jethro will be writing Harry and Draco in leather together in the Order of Limbo. (laughs) The Order of Limbo. And we will all have read crack fic about Harry doing crazy things. So that pretty much wraps it up. I'm going to go get Mr. Kessler. I'm going to dump Ryan and the world will return to normal. Any final thoughts? No. <laughs> no. None at all. We sent them to limbo. We, we sent, sent all our thoughts and notes to limbo. The chapters like, are very long. There's so much long. to get through. And the it's plethora. new people all the yeah, time. The, the, the new people now we've got a new me. problem. Right. And oh, now we're going to go deal with Percy. Now we're going to go deal with Alicia. Oh, look, Fleur's back. Oh, we'll better bring in Gabrielle because we've got Fleur. So I found it hard keeping track of all the characters. But I just felt like the whole time I just wanted to home in on 
Ron, I wanted to home in on the Harry Jenny thing that was going on, the Harry Jenny Draco thing, and I got frustrated. Like, they bring in the whole Mariah aspect, then Harry gets distracted by her and Draco gets distracted by her, but then they bring in this Felice person as well, and I just wanted to hone in on a few characters and what they were doing, and I just found it very distracting and trying to keep track of everything that was going on. There was just too many people for me to well, keep track I, of. I, I felt like they all needed their own story. Yeah, I had this comment in my notes. A lot of everything going on here really, really, really reminds me of a soap opera. There's always big secrets and important conversations that you have with your back to an open door, and there's lots of exposition, and there's 10,000 different subplots going on. I found it hard to keep track of everyone and everything, and I'm sort of like, I can't remember. But I I I absolutely take your point. There are too many plots going on here and any three of them would make a very healthy story and we've got over a dozen going on the title of the story is not harry potter and the missing weasley sisters i think you're right if it had been harry potter and the missing weasley sisters and it was focusing on that relationship and building and repairing that relationship and finding them again that would actually probably be a fairly cool story an, an alternate universe happening, but I think trying to put it into the rest of this story hasn't worked for me. There are plenty of available characters to fulfill your prophecy. You don't need to manufacture artificial characters characters. for this purpose. Yeah, I think if you want to have an original character, that's fine, as long as they're not a Mary Sue. But I think you have to limit how many original characters that you bring into it. I think, And then, if you bring in a bunch of original characters, you have to leave some canon characters out. Like, if you bring in, say, three OCs, I think it's probably the max that you can get away with. You bring them in, you can't then list everyone from Oliver Wood to all a quirk and have them all be an integral part of the plot. You know, you have to not have them. They might turn up to a party, for example, but they're not going to suddenly become an integral part of the plot. Do we have to tell them this chapter's 24 to them? We we did that. Did we? We Hmm, covered everything. And I don't remember if we covered everything. So we just say goodnight. Goodnight. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Goodnight. I don't know if that actually had anything for purple. Yeah. Everybody reaches for them. Hey, where's my copy? Are the bandicoots in there? It could be that, since they're oh, going into the mating ritual. My bandicoot is not in here. I love this book. Yeah. Oh, I haven't read these in so long. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually have them. I... So, yeah, I had more fun looking at the little written yes. quotes in here than anything else. Oh, yeah. Or, like, the controls on selling and breeding. The 1965 ban on experimental breeding has made the creation of new species illegal, but no one's told Hagrid. Right. Blasted <laughs> <laughs> it screws. Hey, it's seen on topic because the Fantastic Beasts are in the fix. So, hey. Yeah. There you go. Did we ever find what we were looking for? What were we looking no, for? No, we were looking so for bandicoots. bandicoots. Yeah, the bandicoot isn't in there. Oh, I checked so the it might be there. It wasn't there either. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part.
and welcome back to Pedoncast. I'm <laughs> Kayla. Sorry. <It's> Kayla. <laughs> you don't have to put the word and in front of it because you're not Ryan. <laughs> I know, but I was doing it to make fun of him. Okay. I'm going to call myself mm. Kayla. <laughs> and that is Kelly. And I am Scott. Er. Scott. Er. And <laughs> no, that just doesn't work. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. So this week we are covering Folly, uh, Act 1 and 2 of the S-Word series, written by Antitasha. There are actually three parts to Folly, but we're just going to cover the first two today. So. There's no author summary that I see for this. No, there's not. It just says... There is a crisis looming. Be ready for it. Is that what it says? That's the summary. It also has warnings for folly of one kind and another. Scott is looking at LiveJournal. That's what I'm looking at. The first installment of this fic was also posted on Phoenix Song, Mm -hmm. but the second and third parts were not. So if you want... That's why. That's right, yes. It's not that... (laughs) I know. The second part of the story is actually in response to a challenge... But we won't talk about that until we get to where we talk about the second part. It's made um, you giggle all day long, so. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of the giggling part. But The first part was written as a response to the fortune cookie challenge. And he's also using it as a response to one of the Catch My Snitch challenges. that He just sort of fitted in there. Right. That's the shoelace prompt. Yep. <laughs> the prompt really? for the fortune cookie really? was the summary that I read. The, there is a crisis looming. Be ready for it. Right. Okay. So we start oh. out. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if we weren't sure before, like how we're putting these out, but it's this, these fix are taking place right after the war in Deathly Hollows. Right. Mm-hmm. This is actually at the... About a year later. Most of these take place at some point during the epilogue. Right. Between the last chapter and the epilogue. We've got a couple of them that were after the epilogue, but most of these are between. So this one is, he's in aura training, or Harry is, and mm-hmm. Ginny is completing her final year at Hogwarts. And they are fixing up what used to be Harry's grandfather's or grandparents' house, which was transformed into... The Shrieking Shack. shack. I was going to say, wasn't it the Shrieking Shack? (laughs) The Grandmother's House, what? (laughs) That was one of the earlier ones we covered. You probably will have heard of that a week or two ago. And right now, it's Easter holidays. So he's survived the first half of his aura training and now has a week in which he can rest. And there's a party at the borough. And he can be close to Ginny and not have to sneak off. Right. It's always nice when you don't have to worry about sneaking around. I guess she's about to go to tryouts for the Harpies. So they're helping her with that. And then he's got a plan that he's a little bit nervous about. And we don't know exactly what it is right off. (laughs) And he's arrived home and Creature's there at the door with a chilled glass full of butterbeer on a silver tray. (laughs) And creature informed. <laughs> like here's your shot, sir. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of reminds me. I I don't. This is before your time, Kayla and Scott. But <laughs> you just um, yourself there. <laughs> Sue Sue is more of, more of my contemporary here. But um, Sue, do you remember the the old vision of the guy coming home from work and the woman of the house having the cocktail ready in hand for the... Yes. Yes, that's, that's sort of this reminded me of. 
<laughs> At least he isn't bringing his slippers. No. <laughs> That's true. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I don't think Mr. Rogers would have had a martini, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never know. Let's puppets. Uh, <laughs> I, I just uh, I see creature with the silver tray and and the little napkin draped over his arm. <laughs> I was just thinking that little bow tie. Oh no! Suit. And his he hair parted the... down the middle and pasted down. Oh God! <laughs> he has any? <laughs> the, he's got three of hair. Then. Oh God! He says that he's put a wizard visitor in master's study, and I'm trying to, f- and and we find out who it is, and it's like. Doesn't Creature know who Neville is by now? Yeah. Like- he doesn't call anybody by their name. It's That's true. It's Mistress and it's Master's Friend. Wouldn't it be yeah. Master's Plant Friend? or? It could be Master's Professor Friend or something, but I don't know if Neville's there yet. I don't think mm-hmm. he is. That might be a bit early. Master's Friend who had to grow friends. <laughs> <laughs> so- I do like that Harry immediately thinks of Ginny and creature has to say a wizard visitor oh okay darn <laughs> and it didn't say mistress mm-hmm. yes she's recently begun calling her which is fun yeah that was in one of the earlier ones again. that was funny when her mind he's like does he call everybody that jesus no <laughs> <laughs> after polishing off his butterbeer in a single pole ever so suave don't you know <laughs> he goes I into the mouth with the napkin study to yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. And yes, apparently Neville is in a bit of trouble for having two good girlfriends at a Slughorn's Valentine's party. He just couldn't say no, I think. And he's told Susan that he likes cannabis, and she took it really well, but she's not letting him know that, and she's still yeah. glaring at him. pretending that she is yeah. about to skin him or whatever. Poor Neville. And I love it that when the other cadet, Terry Boot, asked why, she gave him a hard grin and said, don't want him to forget. Never mess with a Hufflepuff. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? <laughs> Ninja Hufflepuff. I'm surrounded. <laughs> so Neville has come to talk to Harry. And it appears that Neville has come to tell Harry to confess to Harry something that happened. That yeah. happened a whole year ago. And he's, and he's very nervous. Father, please forgive me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It has been a year since my last confession. Okay. But oh, you can just see him sweating at like the collar too and just like Neville has kissed Ginny twice. Yes. Who knew you had it in him? And Ginny hasn't said it. He, goes anything in, he starts babbling. I like that. Yeah, the babbling is start, funny. At first he can't say anything. He's like, Ginny, um, kissed her, um, twice. And then, <laughs> and then he, he just says too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she didn't really. She wasn't kissing me back. I, I was just kissing her. But I mean, it was. She smelled nice. Like that sometimes. <laughs> so sad. Finally, Harry sort of points him on topic again, and it turns out that it was right after Luna had disappeared, and they were the two leading the DEA, and everything was really tough, basically. They had just so. finished a raid on Mr. Potato Head's classroom. <laughs> I like that little clip uh, yeah. there. I he like said- that. Call Amicus Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me Mr. Potato Head. All They're right. down in the common room rehashing everything. And he says, she was right there and I didn't even think about it. I just sort of leaned forward and kissed. And she didn't back, I swear. It was me. She was totally gobsmacked. We sat there after for like five minutes and she didn't say a word. Hadn't seen her that quiet since 
she first came to Hogwarts, and then only when you... And I wanted to die, but I didn't. I just... And finally, she just sort of started talking to me, looking into the fire, and just, you know, started talking about everything else. And she started more. talking about Harry, and mm-hmm. Hannah, and Susan, and Dean, and Luna. And everyone who's missing. And everyone who wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and the second time... <laughs> it's like, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, there was a second time, too. It was the same, basically. Only this time it was caused by Mrs. Potato Head. She she caught someone putting support Potter signs and things like that right outside of her classroom. And... Was torturing her. Yeah, and Ginny couldn't do anything. Otherwise, she'd have been killed, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would have tortured her to death. And then, what she ended up doing instead, rather than openly intervening, she cast a Confundus Charm on Electo. And then she just stops cursing her, and that's the other girl, and tells them to stop cluttering up the hallway, and everyone leaves. Right. He follows her into a secret passageway, mm-hmm. where he finds her crying. And Neville says he'd never seen her cry like that. I mean, we all cried at the headmaster's funeral, but she was just sitting on the ground, just crying. And then I um, kissed her again. And Harry's like, yeah. yeah. He said, yeah, I don't know why, I just... It, and then, you know, Hermione interrupts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a comfort kiss. Yeah. I'm trying to comfort someone. And Before he I can really... that's the first thing that came to his head. I guess Neville's saved by the scream sort of thing. Harry <laughs> can't get him into any trouble because Hermione is panicked about something. That's it's not new. Ginny, and it's not Ron, and apparently Luna has gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, that's a um, new one. <laughs> more than usual, you be. She's so distraught over it. It's so funny. The boys are just like, but it's Luna. She's always like that. Hermione's like, no, you don't understand. She's acting oddly, even for her. (laughs) Apparently, Dean broke up with her that morning by letter. But um, It's almost as bad as text message. Harry doesn't think that's... (laughs) Yeah. In the wizarding world, it is, I guess. Harry doesn't think that's enough to cause all that much problem because he knows that Luna and Dean have sort of been having trouble for a while. And Luna's and, fine with it, yeah. Yeah. Neville says, yeah, she was relieved. She was fine. And Hermione thinks this is unnatural. She couldn't possibly really be fine because um, she Should be must upset. be bottling it all up. Yeah, but we're talking about Luna here. We're not talking about Harry, mm. who's the incredible <laughs> bottler from hell. Angst. You know, we're talking about Luna, who's like a duck with water, you know? Yeah. Who's the one who says, oh, yeah, so we'll just leave and go have sex now. You go on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of almost like she was expecting it to go like that for a while, too, I think, and just wasn't sure how to go mm-hmm. about ending things. Like, she wasn't really that much invested emotionally, I guess, in the relationship anymore. Yeah. And here's knew. our first clue as to what really happened. Is she started talking about Snorkax again, and Harry pipes up and says, was it the Crumplehorn Snorkax or was it Greyhorn <laughs> Snorkax? Because those what? came up earlier when she met um, Rolf, I think his name is, at the Valentine's party. Oh, Rolf. Rolf. But, of course, Hermione wasn't there, so doesn't know that. And <laughs> Luna came down the stairs... Yeah, carrying skis dressed in fur and <laughs> has obviously gone insane. Neville and Harry still don't I didn't get it. know that decompensating was a real word. <laughs> I'm not sure if it is or not. Decompensating. Decompensating. Mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, I think it works. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I've heard of overcompensating. Yeah. Okay. We can look it up. <laughs> so Neville is now saying, Hermione, this is Luna we're talking about. Don't you think we're overdoing it? And Hermione's like, no! <laughs> no! And I love what he Don't said. you care for her at all? <laughs> There's probably some perfectly logical, well, fairly logical explanation. <laughs> Luna logic, you know. Oh, and I love this entrance by Janine. Oh, yes. Janine <laughs> comes in the front door. The door bangs open, letting in a blast of damp spring air, and the voice Harry had been longing to hear all day called out, Hello, lover boy, your mistress is here. Papa Chicka, wow, wow. It's like, hmm. And the rest of them are like, uh. <laughs> That's nice paint on the yeah. wall there. <laughs> oh, and then she says, oh, Hi, Neville. Hi, Hermione. And <laughs> see you there. <laughs> Neville wheezed as if he had been hit in the stomach. <laughs> Mistress Ginny sniffed Hermione. Yeah. Yes, creatures started calling her, mistri- calling her mistress. <laughs> yeah. They explained that to Hermione. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> and we find out also it's George's birthday, apparently. Which would be April 1st. Mm-hmm. April 1st. Yes. Which I think he would have known by the time he was writing this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it probably is April. Because it's... Well, yeah. Um, they're having their they Easter break. And, yeah. Well, she talks about, It's April! Hermione does. The skis yeah. of the fur in April. Oh, oh right, yeah. right. April. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so Ginny invites uh, Neville to the birthday party, and Neville says he can't because he's going to take Hannah to meet Gran. Yeah. Or at least not to meet her, maybe, but just to have dinner with her. So that was right. nice. And Ginny bounces over and gives Neville a big hug and says, That's wonderful. He gives him a kiss on the cheek. And then he's got this panic. <laughs> because he's just confessed to See, They've Harry. just been talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> Neville kissing He's just him. waiting for Harry to kill him, too. <laughs> Don't want to piss off the boy who lived. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like... Hermione <laughs> is like, aha, finally an ally. Ginny, you tell them. And she's like, what? There's nothing wrong with Luna. And she's like, no, but she's gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun that Hermione is so very worked up about this because it, that doesn't happen to her very often. We don't see Hermione that way. You're right. We don't see Hermione that way. Hermione's got herself all worked up over Luna. And it's like, Hermione, it's Luna. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because everyone's so calm about it. She's all Here's hysterical. Hermione just flying off the handle. <laughs> yeah. It, when it usually should be like the other way around. Like Hermione's always been really just skeptical of Tell Luna. everyone to be logical and while Ron is kind of... And then caps lock. Like, Luna is losing her mind. <laughs> Do you think so? Oh, that would be a shame, since I've had such lovely plans for this week. It's like, enter Luna. <laughs> and there's Luna. Of course, right after she says that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah. sure you could probably hear her outside howling, Ah, she's lost her mind. And I do sort of see what she's talking about, because <laughs> she's dressed in bright purple fur, got some sort of salve ointment all over her face, and she has a duffel bag. And she's wearing bright purple furs with green stripes on them and the skis. Oh, yes, I missed the green stripes. Green stripes just... 
pops it all off there. So everyone does sort of stop and stare at her. Because, right. And of course, Luna just says, oh, how nice. Here you all are. Good. <laughs> Has it come yet? <laughs> Who? <laughs> oh, Luna, you know Dean. Because oh, yes. Hermione assumes that she is delusional and thinks Dean is still with her. And then we discover the actual person she's referring to. The second is... person in fur. <laughs> yes. I wonder if there's matching green stripes. Cause I don't know. That'd be hot. <laughs> in an almost identical outfit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coming They're out of the flu. First or and this would be Rolf. Rolf's Rolf. commander. And Hermione's like, uh, who are you? <laughs> or she didn't meet him at the Valentine's thing. Yeah. And he's all bouncing. Hello, Mr. Potter. Luna here told me this was the most convenient flu connection. I hope you don't mind. We're going on an expedition. He's <laughs> like, what expedition? What are you talking about? Where did you come from? <laughs> well, I think it's, I think Hermione's response to who this guy is is just hysterical. Oh, it's yeah. priceless. Because she's like, here's Luna. Mistress Commander and his, and his father invited me earlier, you see. And Hermione's like, Scamander? They wrote a textbook. <laughs> yes. Can you have your own girl? Hermione's eyes grew to saucer like, Luna like enormity. And as luck would have it, they've come across a nesting ground for the great horn snorkag. Hermione's jaw dropped. Yeah. They do really exist. Uh-huh. Crumpled horn kind are extinct, but the great horn ones do exist. Right. And so, and he's like, I'm so glad you could equip yourself so well on so short of notice. And Luna's like, oh, well, I've already been prepared, just in case. And he's <laughs> all ready to go. And, and I she love... has to interrupt him and say, oh, by the way, I don't have a boyfriend right now. Because, oh, oh how nice. Just, oh, okay. Valentine's he nice. stands up a little bit straighter and puffs his chest out. Yeah. That's a reference back to the last one, because when they met at the Valentine's party, she introduced Dean or mentioned Dean as her boyfriend mm-hmm. in the same sort of manner. Right, exactly the same sort of manner. Mm-hmm. I love that after they say that, both of them go into a bandicoot mating ritual. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like batting your eyelashes at each other. And just really... Like, oh, okay. <laughs> that would have been awkward. <laughs> it's like, uh, get a room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Neville takes his chance to get out of there before they <laughs> oh, go back to their previous subject. And um, Hermione has calmed down because obviously she was wrong and wanders off. <laughs> Yeah, where did she go? I, think she I missed that. To burrow to go see Ron. I should be getting back up to the castle as well. Oh, Ron and yep. I will see you at the burrow. Right. That? Yes, now that I've totally embarrassed myself, I need to leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I'll just take this as my exit. <laughs> or my cue to leave. Yeah. Jenny was like, well, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Harry is still brooding a little bit about Neville. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jenny has no idea, yeah. Just, aw. Says you're all gloomy, and he says, not really, just, you know, thinking. And she says, about what? And he said, if I could answer that question simply, I wouldn't have to think. <laughs> he says, you sound like Luna. But not as warmly dressed. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he decides, or 
she decides, actually. She's done with thinking. <laughs> and they were both much less interested in talking for some time. <laughs> yes. Hmm. This is where we have a... Wow, wow. This is where we... <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I actually was, was able to do that right now. I've always... Bomb chicken wow wow. Yeah. I've never... I've always got it. That is the end of Foley Part 1. And there's a little bit of a time jump, understandably, between the <laughs> end the, here. We have the fade to black, and then we have the comeback from the fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the hand coming down on the sweaty door or mirror or glass. <laughs> you have been watching Titanic too much. <laughs> well, it's just because we lost Scott earlier and I was doing the whole Titanic thing. <laughs> oh, dear. Actually, it wasn't that bad. You dropped like six times within after being on for like a minute. It's true. We go to the second act two, part two. What was it you were going to say about the challenges? Well, the challenge was put back up way, way back in February of last year before the movie came out because there were stills that came out of Jimmy tying Harry's shoelace. Well, no, no, no. It was in. They were at the borough. And it was the behind-the-scenes shot, and you had Dan and Bonnie talking to David Heyman. One of Dan's shoes was untied. So there was this challenge put up on several different communities on LiveJournal with the topic of shoelace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen a few of them. We had no idea before the movie came out what the significance of shoelace was. But anyway, they've done their fade to black, and... Having been uninterested in talking, <laughs> now we have Harry finally finding his body, mouth, and mind no longer otherwise occupied. <laughs> They're on the kitchen table, which kind of harkens back to family, family expecting yeah. that they were doing something, and they finally have all come into the the kitchen Did at the borough to find clean Harry the table and... off first. They're <laughs> like, yeah. ah, <laughs> <laughs> scourge him by the table. Yeah, they've christened it. That's it. Yes. I love what she says. Mistress finds master very agreeable. <laughs> and master agrees. <laughs> I was thinking the whole time, ah, brain bleach, brain bleach. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where she says, maybe we should have everyone over here for the party. No, that is, uh, oh, Harry say that? He maybe said that, yeah. And then she starts to kind of doubt herself and is afraid that she's a scarlet woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because and, they didn't wait. And they did, yeah, because they didn't wait. Now, I got kind of annoyed at that part. They've been doing this for a little while, though. Well, and she knows that Harry's going to be faithful for her. Like, I don't know how she's doubting all this and thinking herself a scarlet woman is like, I don't know. It's all in the upbringing. Yeah. And she's and... listened to her mother tell the boys that they should always to be respectful of the girls that they've gone out with. She's the one that's had, like, five boyfriends, too. Well, yeah, but, you know, now she says, you know, am I a scarlet woman? <laughs> Come on. Yes, Jenny, you are. Yes, Jenny, you are. That's terrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she is. She's embarrassed. She tells the story about how she and Ron, when they were little, found where mom hid the Christmas presents and that they would try really hard not to peek, and then they'd peek, and then when Christmas rolled around, then they'd feel guilty, and it wouldn't be nearly as fun because it wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, she's wondering if that was would be the same way for them, but Harry convinces her that really she's nothing like any of the people 
that she might be worried about. And, and she's not she's, a scarlet woman. Yeah, but she's still somewhat depressed. And apparently she's made a decision recently that she's been thinking about for a while, and it just came up. But she won't tell him what it is just yet. Yeah, and so he thinks, well, maybe... I need to prove to her that this is more than just uh, a fling or whatever. Maybe she needs to know that I'm thinking long term. So he finds his pants. I love that. He has to find his pants and dig through the pockets. And he pulls out a ring box, but he doesn't get it open. And his hands are all sweaty and shaking. And he tries to open it and drops drops it. it. But he does go down on one knee. I like this. Words. He knew there were words. He had this plan, but he can't (laughs) quite figure them out. Yeah, he's... Panicking. Basically, yeah. 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 And finally, he's about to say something. He's about to pick it up again. And she stops him and says his name. And he's like, what? She says, your shoelaces have died. (laughs) (laughs) She's kneeling on the floor in front of him when she says it. And I listened to that today and... Just, I was in the middle of the yard, and, and that came on, and I started laughing, <laughs> and I started talking to myself and saying, that is so much funnier now that the movies come out. Well, and our handyman just... The handyman's out. giving you a look. <laughs> well, and, and Harry's on one knee, and she's on both, so they're eye to eye. Right. And he looks down. She says, your shoes nice is untied. <laughs> and then they both go... Smash the shoe and they bonk heads together. together. (laughs) (laughs) They burst out laughing. Under the table. (laughs) Now it's under the table, yes. Yes, where Dean has apparently made pictures of making snorkax. That's really odd. (laughs) Oh, I guess that's why they took so long to refinish the table. (laughs) They were busy and they both start to laugh. Uproariously, breathlessly, unceasingly, <laughs> some long time later, they begin yeah. to kiss. We have another us. boom chickawawa moment. <laughs> they, it. they did it on, or they did it over, and now they're doing it under. Under the table, yes. Next time we'll be side to side. Oh no! <laughs> wow! It was a motorbike. Yeah. <laughs> Sirius just drove by. Just Woo! Drove by. <laughs> honk, honk. Woo! You go, kids. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> and he uh, to ask her again, and she stops him and says, "Yes, I want you to ask me, but I want it to be because you want to do it. You have a time that you plan to do this, not because you think." I need it, or you feel guilty, or whatever. Yeah, and, that's another part that I was kind of just annoyed, because I'm sure Harry wouldn't be asking her, though, if he wasn't serious about it, though, too. Hmm. Yeah. That's true. Which, Harry doesn't do stuff like that, though. Well, yeah. he's worried he about... He have a plan that he's sort of rushed at this point, because yeah. he's oh, going to wait and ask Arthur and Molly and do all the various things that way. That's why he was carrying it around. Mm-hmm. But, well, the thing that prompted this was the fact that she's feeling guilty because she thinks that they may have done this too soon. You know, I don't know. Like, because I could understand where they were coming from in like the earlier, I guess, travels yeah. of it. But I mean, they've liked each other for like seven years, and well, after everything that they've gone through, it's just I don't know. Harry was oblivious for a lot of those seven, right? Mm. That too. It just seems like she doesn't have almost 
I know faith isn't the right word, but she's still, I guess she's still having a lot of hard time. I don't think it's him, so much. I guess I've never really been in that position either. I don't think she's doubting her feelings for him, mm-hmm. but I think she may be doubting the speed, the speed of the intimacy of the relationship. Yeah. You know, should we have well, waited? That's the whole thing. Should we have waited? More people should ask themselves. That. Yeah. <laughs> These two are 17 and 18 years old. A lot older than most. You know, so, and, yeah. but but they're it's still really young, yeah. But but he's looking for long term, and I think mm-hmm. she knows that he's she knows he's looking for long term. And the whole thing about the Christmas presents was, should we have waited until after we got married? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what got his ball rolling there, and that's why she tells him, "Don't do this because you're feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. Because I'm feeling guilty. Don't do that. You know, you have your own that's schedule on this. Fun. Follow your yeah. own schedule." Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, then, they sort of agree to do that. And she also assures him he doesn't have to worry about the answer. But anyway, they sort of do come apart and then they both get dressed. And then Harry has a thought and he asks her, Where's your broom? We were going to go and see the tryouts. And this turns out to be the decision she was talking about earlier. And he's like, Yes, what was that? She says, Oh, I'm not trying out for the harpies after all. And dives to the fireplace. Theo flew over to the burrow. (laughs) Leaving Harry was speechless. (laughs) Blinking at the empty fireplace. (laughs) Right. And that's the end of Act 2. It Mm -hmm. is. We just have one more act to go. Yes. Which you will probably hear next week, I expect. That's the plan. Does anybody else have any thoughts about Folly 1 and 2? There were a lot of neat moments in it that I liked that I can sort of envision the characters mm-hmm. sort of funny tableaus like this last one I can see Harry standing there just sort of blinking at the fireplace and <laughs> when all of them are staring at Luna and Rolf yeah, I don't know what else and Rolf from um, Sound of Music it was a little stupid <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong you cut out, you cut, I know <laughs> I have dinosaur kind of visions, you know, purple with green stripes. That says dinosaur to me. <laughs> Barney. You've been watching too much Barney. <laughs> wow. Furry dinosaurs. Mm. Yeah, fur. I don't know. They might have been furry. Yeah. I'm, a, yeah, I'm almost does picking like... Does it actually say where that fur comes from? No, they don't know. It does. What word? The one-eyed, one-orc, flying purple snorkak eater. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and one big eye. I commenced to shake him and I said, Ooh, It looks like a purple people leader to me. It was a one eyed, one horn flying purple people leader. Is it in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? I don't know if that actually had anything for purple. Yeah, I like oh, the front wow. page. This book belongs to Harry Potter, shared by Ron Weasley, because his fell apart. Why don't you buy a new one then and write on your own book, Hermione? You, you bought, bought all the dumb, <laughs> dumb bombs on Saturday. You could have bought a new book and said, Dung dumb bombs, bombs rule. rule. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening tonight. And I don't know. Goodbye. <laughs> this is my first night. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.